and welcome back to HCS Weekly. I thought, yo, this is my life. I have to go pro with Halo. In my head, thought that that was more efficient, and I guess I was right. He was like the god. We would have to 2v1, like, just to beat this guy. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I was trying to you. You're like, oh, see you guys <laughs> A lot of Halo in my life, man. It's been a, it's been a fun journey. I love it. Hello and welcome back to HCS Weekly, your weekly destination for all things HCS. I'm your host, Shyway, and guys, I can barely contain my excitement right now. We've got two massive events coming up this weekend. We have DreamHack Dallas, of course, and then following that, we have E3. This is just a great time to be a Halo fan. And of course, coming on the show to break it all down, we've got a big interview today with somebody I know you all know, Bravo. But before we get there, we've got our news, we've got our trick jump of the week, and of course, we also have our grassroots BR skin and giveaway. All you got to do to enter the competition is type exclamation mark grassroots in the chat it'll enter you in and you can get that code or you can get the the goodies at the end of the show so stick around guys of course we have a QA at the end of the show that you can participate in as well let's get right into the news with maddie roams how's it going maddie hey what's going on dude good I'm, I'm doing well man it's it's nice to be back it's nice to be talking about halo especially with everything we have coming up this weekend and beyond uh let's break down some of the, the news here we got some playlist updates as well mcc they're they're continuing to update it yeah it's uh nothing huge but they added the 8v8 snipers into the big team battle rotation i believe you can select it on the bottom right in the the i forget what they call it the browser whatever okay okay <laughs> So a super uh, simple update there. Nothing, nothing big right there. Yeah, they added it to all the games. I didn't list all the maps because there's too many to mention, but right. uh, it's there. And right. then uh, right. they just made a few small changes to the Halo Combat Evolved Mayhem playlist. They removed Derelict and Longest from the Slayer game type. I guess it didn't work out too well. Uh, I guess, yeah. And Almost guys, if you, if you don't already... Yeah, sorry to interrupt you there, Matty. Um, <laughs> just to let people know, Mayhem Playlist was the 250 kill like Slayer mode. I guess it's Slayer and a couple other game types... Yeah. And it's 8v8, so it's just, it is total mayhem, 250 kills to win. Um, and I guess, yeah, so they removed Derelict and Derelict and Longest, and then there's another uh, update they made with it as well. Yeah, from the One Flag Siege game type, they took out Battle Creek and they added Rat Race. Okay, okay. So constantly trying to update and see what works best for all the mayhem. Of course, if you guys like Halo CE, this is a great way to play the game and to enjoy. They're, you know, they're continuing to apply updates there. I remember last week they had something for Halo 4 as well. So it's nice to see across all the Halo titles. Uh, Halo Data Hive has an update as well. Yeah, so uh, as most people know, it was uh, the website was mainly just, actually it was just only Halo 5. Uh, he announced that he had an update to it. I guess maybe he got more... Uh, get a little bit of help from 343 i'm not sure what but uh yeah. you can now search your last 100 games for a master chief collection mm. so uh if you know at the top of the screen there's like a search where you can search for a gamer tag right there's a little drop down menu next to that and you can search either halo 5 or mcc that's pretty incredible because i think halo 5 had some sort of an infrastructure already in place for tracking data on yeah players it had an api right right but uh i'm not sure what happened but uh he put out that tweet sometime last week, so definitely well, a no, good update. Yeah, I'm just saying, wouldn't it be way harder to track those stats in MCC when they don't? They, I don't think they have that infrastructure in place, right? So he's got a. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, there's been a few, uh, I guess, like technical breakthroughs or whatever you want. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, sure. there's someone else that come had a, a tool for streaming where uh, it'll automatically update your win loss and your KD after each match. Mm -hmm. So uh, someone must have found something that uh, was helped all these people out to make these things. 
Yeah, so nice to see. Of course, you guys can check out at Halo Data Hive on Twitter. They've already been doing this for Halo 5 for a long time. You get all your stats in Halo 5, and I know I guess they're applying that to MCC, which is great. We have a lot of people playing MCC and want to get their stats and uh, see how they match up with their friends, whatever it is. Of course, DreamHack Dallas is the uh, the big event everybody's talking about. The talent has been announced. What do we got? Yeah, so we got a, a lot of our friends from across the pond will be joining us. Uh, Lottie and Lethal are on the desk, not Lethal the player. Yeah. Uh, they'll be on the desk. Uh, casting will be Wonderboy, Gaskin, Clutch, and T-Squared. And then Hines will be doing the observing. Now, now that you brought it up, honestly, I think it'd be cool to see Lethal the player on the desk. I think that man would kill it on the desk. If you watch, him, you watch him on live stream, he's hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah. His YouTube video highlights have been great, too. Yeah, yeah, put him on the desk. I want to see what happens. But, but of course, this is a, a very talented lineup. We've seen these guys time and time again. One of the big ones I want to point out, uh, Wonderboy casting again is great to see. And I know he had a tweet yeah. about it where he like kind of listed all the events he was in. He was observing for most of them. We didn't get to see him. And now he's coming back as a caster down to popular demand. I know people wanted him back. T-squared, uh, hashtag free T-squared, right? Uh, free yeah. T2, sorry. He's, uh, he's casting as well, so that's great to see. Hines has been killing it on, on observing, so he's just going to continue doing his thing. And, I mean, everybody here is, is really talented and deserves that role. I'm actually a little disappointed I don't see Bravo here, and maybe we'll have to ask him about that in, in just a little bit. Um, but, of course, we have the DreamHack Dallas handbook released as well, so some more details here. Yeah, so majority of it is uh, information for players attending, but inside the, the document is the breakdown for the 4v4. Uh -huh. uh, you know, it was $50,000 grand prize. First place gets 25000 Second, 10000 Third, 6000 Fourth, 3000 Fifth, six, 2000 Seventh, eighth, 1000 And for the free-for-all, which is uh, 5000 total, first place gets 3000 Second place, 1500 And third gets $500. And also, they noticed the free-for-all will be 256 players maximum. So we'll be capped okay. at that. It's first come, first serve, which we've mentioned before, uh, on-site registration only. Right. Yeah, so you sign up at the event. you got to be ready to go. you got to wake up early. You can't be partying too hard the night before and yeah. uh, and get yourself signed up, and you can compete in the event. And, of course, if you have a con conflicting schedule, remember we talked about this. If you're yeah. competing as part of a team and you're also signing up for FFA, you're going to be forfeiting one of those options, right? You can't be signed right. up in, in both places, and uh, you always got to be keeping an eye on your schedule. So, guys, uh, careful there. But a great opportunity to get some extra cash if you're good at FFA. I know Ryan Noob has been killing in F FFA. There's a couple uh, really good players who also compete and then you know put themselves in there get a little extra money as well uh we have some crucial roster changes that just happened over last weekend we've been having roster changes all over the place what's going on maddie uh the, the big ones to note was uh frost and eco who were formerly on gms are now teaming with ace and neighbor who were formerly on elevate okay. with trippy and penguin so Frosty Eco, Frosty Eco, Ace and Neighbor is one team. They're representing Falling Esports. Right. Uh, Lux Gaming, they dropped Omega and picked up Penguin since the two of them, that team pretty much disbanded. Okay. And then GMS, this one's not confirmed, but I was told from a credible source that uh, GMS picked up Trippy and Zerka to replace okay. uh, Frosty and Eco. So these are some pretty interesting last-minute changes here. Uh, the big one, of course, Ace, Neighbor, Frosty, Eco. That's one hell of a squad right there. Like, of course, 
everybody on this squad, like in, incredibly talented. They're all very capable of of taking the top spots in the event, but they're they're coming together so late, so close to the event. I don't know what that means as far as you know teamwork, whether or not they're going to gel well together. But that's exciting to see. Big shout outs to Venom who runs Falling Esports. He managed to acquire this team in this kind of like last second scenario here when these players have they dropped from I believe Elevate right previously. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So really great to see Fallen Esports coming in and representing that, and then they will be competing now in the event. We have Lux Gaming with Penguin, and then what? What does Lux Gaming even look like right now? There are uh, Penguin and and uh, Gilkey, Gilkey, Rain, Wanward, and Penguin. Okay, pretty solid squad. I haven't seen yeah. uh, Wan. Is it Wanward? Wanward. Yeah. Wanward. I haven't seen much of his gameplay yet, but of course the other three very talented: uh, GMS, Trippy, Zerka, and then you have. Fantasy and Gabriel. Fantasy and Gabriel. And Fantasy and Gabriel have been teaming together forever. They were the winners of the 2v2. Yeah, they originally uh, teamed with Zerka. That was the original GMS roster. So, you know, and didn't Zerka, Zerka like, split off from the roster and put the whole post about how well, he was? He was dropped by the he rest was dropped. of the guys. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's... Like I said, now he's... Th uh, this was tripping Zerka going to GMS was uh, told to me last week. So, for all I know, it could have changed again by then. But so it's not confirmed. Yeah, but, and that's not confirmed. But interesting turn of events, though, if uh, if it is, considering how much switching around we've had, we had Frosty yeah. there at one point. Uh, of course, if we go to our top teams on the qualifiers, you got very different results here. You got the points totals. Of course, all of this may not be reflective of our final, uh, you know, placements in the event. But uh, you can give me the quick run through. Uh, yeah. So a few teams have moved around based off of the roster changes. So now uh, top seed is Infinite. Second is Tox Gaming. Third is now Lux Gaming with uh, the Penguin acquisition. Okay. Uh, fourth, GMS. Fifth, Falling Esports. Sixth, Mason Minotaurs. Seventh, Denial. Eighth, Sage Esports. And ninth, Reciprocity. Right. And there might be some other teams in there based off of some, uh, I guess, amateurs, if you want to say, that are forming squads. But out of the rosters that I do know, that's the list I came up with. Right, right. Well, a lot of incredible teams, of course. Reciprocity sitting on the bottom. Like I said, guys, the points not reflected. They didn't compete in all the qualifiers, so a right. lot of this isn't really going to tell the story as far as placements in the event. Uh, even just being reminded of Denial. Like, Denial almost won the St. Louis event. There are a lot of really talented teams that are still around here that still are you know, capable of taking these top spots that I just can't wait to see what happens uh, coming up in this event. A lot of opportunity here, a lot of reason to tune in on twitch.tv slash Halo, guys. And then for our event this week, that's all it is. It's DreamHack Dallas, right? Yep. I'm looking at it right here. Friday uh, to Sunday. So that's it. That's that's what we have to look forward to. And then E3 following that going to be very exciting. Maddie, thank you so much for joining me. And of course, guys, we've got all of this on noobcombo.com. If you want any details here, Maddie's always putting up the details on noobcombo.com. You can make sure to check that out, get all the associated links, and check out the news. Thank you once again for joining me, dude. Anytime, man. See you around. And that closes our news for the week. Of course, right from the news, we're jumping into our trick jump of the week with Clearly Me. Let's see what he's got this week. How's it going, Clearly? It's going good, man. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. We've got a great interview today. We've got big events coming up. I, I can't not be in a good mood. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, sir. I understand. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> so did you, do you have any trick jumps? And, and is this trick jump going to be applicable in any way to competitive play? Like, is there a chance we could see this at the tournament? I sure or is hope this so. Okay, what do we got? So. Um, it's on the pip. Um, it's a simple little slide jump. It's nothing uh, nothing crazy, intricate like any ghost jumping, hedge ghosting, over jumping, anything like that. Okay. Um, but it is an insanely long slide. Um, now, when you're watching it in third person, um, it doesn't really 
seem as though you really get that much of a distance, but when you see it in first person, you can see how fast that I actually launch right there. Damn! Um, but it's a very That's quick way. <laughs> yeah, to get across in there for sure. Um, definitely useful if utilized in the right way. Um, definitely hard to hit under pressure. I will say that. Um, right. But uh, given time and practice, you kind of get the idea of where to jump from exactly, how much speed you need to have, how you're supposed to hold the analog stick as you're going down. But basically what you do is when you jump off of that post right there, you're holding crouch and releasing crouch and jumping at the same exact time right as soon as you hit the very edge right there, which gives you a momentary boost and will launch you across. Um, most of the time when you do attempt to go for it, um, you tend to fall short, or you kind of smack that cage end right there on top of S2. Right. Um, but sometimes if you fall a little short, you can jump off of that cage portion right there above yeah. S2. You can grab it sometimes, sometimes you cannot. Um, that is referred to as a juggle if you do hit that part. Okay. Well, I um, love that you showed it on the pit. I got to say, mm -hmm. man, because this is something that I could actually see a player do. This could actually be useful, too. I mean, if for whatever reason you're applying pressure from that uh, that barricade there, you can jump off of it and get this slope jump oh, yeah. and uh, and make your way up to S2. And even if you don't, like the momentum you're getting off that jump seems to pretty like significantly change your position on the map in like very quick fashion as well. So, I mean, oh, yeah. even that could be advantageous. I would love to see something like that pulled off. Have you been showing anybody in particular this one? Uh, is Gabriel kind of tuning in? And <laughs> No, I haven't showed Gabriel this one yet. No, no. Um, I know he's seen my MLG tricks video that I made for the map, which that clip right there is what I used to open that video. Okay, okay. Um, but I never went over it personally with him, but I should. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely should. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's, it's it's not too bad. You get the hang of it. You can get a few times out of ten definitely worth a try every once in a while if you're in that area and need to get out of it. Yeah, for sure. So, of course, guys, if you saw that jump, you liked that jump, and this video wasn't enough for you to learn how to do it in one shot, then what I would recommend is go check out Clearly Me on Twitter. You can look up at MCC Trick Jumps. I was like, where is it? That's that's where it is right there, <laughs> MCC Trick Jumps. And, of course, from there, you've got a Discord associated. You've got your YouTube channel. There's mm -hmm. just there's there's so much that you can, uh, you can talk about with people who are excited about Trick Jumps and just help build the community and help learn about these important mechanics in these games that could really actually have a, a pretty dramatic effect. I'm... I'm hoping we can see what, what happens in this tournament. Um, are you excited for it as well? Are you going to be looking out for trick jumps at the event? I definitely am. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely right. am. I've been training a lot of people, and um, they said that if they uh, implement some stuff, they would give me some shout-outs, so I'm definitely going to keep a lookout. Awesome, for dude. Sure. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me once again, man, and looking forward to the jump you have for next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. See you around. See you. All right, guys, that closes our news and our trick jump for the week. And finally, we're going to jump into our interview for today. I'm very excited to welcome the esteemed caster, one you know all you all know and love. Welcome, Bravo, to HCS Weekly. Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me? I do hear you. How's it going, dude? Uh, it's great. Um, excited to be part of the show. Um, I just learned uh, something new and a jump I haven't seen in many years of playing Halo 3. That thing is pretty sweet. Um, yeah, people are, yeah. That's sweet. I mean, you could abuse the heck out of that. There's a, you know, there's a, if you think about the the speed at which you need to get to top turret in a lot of situations, that's pretty amazing. But yeah, happy that's to be great. here. Yeah, no, and it's crazy that people are still figuring this stuff out now. Like, 
in, in MCC. And I'm, I'm not sure if people had known about it back in Halo 3. There might be some people who did, but it's just great to see that even like 10 years later, this stuff is still happening. By the way, are you doing okay connection wise? Like I was seeing some messages in the bottom of the screen that you've been like dropping I think in I'm and good. out. I found out the state of the state that we're in. As long as I touch nothing in this uh, PC, we're good. But apparently, like, because oh we launched, the way we launched, it's like duct taped together. But I think we're good. Okay. I, think we're good. I believe. Okay. And then outside of that, you've been doing okay. You're not too busy. I know that like, I think like every week you're like in a different part of the world. Like what's, what's been going on with you recently? How you been doing? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm good. I'm great. I'm uh, no, I'm, I'm very busy, but a, a very good busy. Um, working on a few projects, uh, a few things coming up. Um, I've slowed the travel down just a bit, just because the summer is going to be um, full of a lot of travel for, for work. Um, right, right. But other than that, I'm in a, I'm in a good spot right now. Finally finding some, you know, some, uh, little bit of routine to, to to get some stuff done it's good that's awesome man and of course yeah like the traveling you're going to be doing with halo outpost outpost discovery we got to talk about that a little bit later as well which sounds course, so yeah. exciting um and of course you've got just a hell of a career in halo that i want to get into before we do actually get into the interview though i've got this question for you it's kind of an elephant in the room here i don't know if you guys have checked uh, out bravo's twitter recently but the top of your twitter there's a picture uh, of you practically uh, spooning olivia munn what the hell's going whoa, on whoa, 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 whoa. This, this is respectful this, this is this, this is, is prom post. This is this prom is pro post. This is a real prom post. This is like real good Photoshop. What is this? No, she this actually is... replied to the post too. Yes, she did. Yep. The reply is better. Do you have the reply? There we go. Wow. You guys are ready <laughs> with this <laughs> We're stuff. Ready to go, dude. Yeah, that's the, by far the best tweet I've ever gotten. Um, oh and God, also, dude. yeah, I couldn't have asked for anything better. But yeah, no, that that that's not spooning. That's prom pose. Um, yeah, that was. Sorry, uh, I was playing a, tra a joke on you, but yes, yeah, prom. That's a real prom photo. Uh, no, it's not a real prom photo. We were at this. It was like uh, I have to thank. Uh, so Rishi Chada, who is now the head of Twitter Gaming, he replied to it. And if anyone caught it, I replied like literally couldn't have done it without you. Uh, Gunner uh, Gunner had a bunch of us out. Like man, this is a while ago now, 2000 maybe 11. Um, it was a bunch of the early Gunner crew. So like Hastro, T Martin. Jericho, uh, myself, neighbor, a few others, just out to like um, San Diego Comic Con one year, okay. and there was a photo booth, and there was Olivia Munn, and I'm sure I asked her for the photo, but right. prom pose was her idea because really? don't think don't think for a second that like 21 year old me had like yeah. the like you know the the cojones to suggest prom pose Olivia Munn, so it was her idea, and we got the photo, and it it lives on as a as a great moment, yeah. Damn, dude, that's incredible. I spent so long looking at it, trying to find signs of like Photoshop or something. <laughs> I was like, it's too good. It, it looks real. Like, there's no, there's no. Uh, way. Yeah, it's funny. There's a few photos from that that uh, that I have. There's a bunch. Oh man, I wonder if they're right here. Um, well, let me see real quick. One second. That would be incredible if they are. I was like, oh no, not in your computer. Because if you uh, if you I touch think, something, it's gonna. I think they got moved, but um. Oh, okay, okay. Like uh, there's photos of like me, Hastro squared, gold glove, uh, Jericho, T Martin, yeah. Um, but there's a few with Olivia Munn. So I got well, actually when I posted that photo the first time on Facebook, like, um, you know, uh, quite a while ago, seven or eight years ago. Um, huh. yeah, someone came like at my throat, wow. saying the, like, like this is photoshopped. I could tell because of this. What so luckily I had like more photos with her that I could like post to shut the guy up. But yeah, people people are gunning for to see if that thing's photoshopped. She fun. has some big fans, man. <laughs> she even she even liked the Instagram post and commented on Instagram too. Damn, dude, that's incredible. I know she's great. She's great. Yeah. Well, nice to see. Nice to see that that even somebody as uh, popular as her is still, you know. Yeah, she's yeah, she's cool. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's get into uh, into your career here. So today. 
You're an esports host and caster. You're on Forbes, 30 Under 30 in gaming. Previously, you spent five years working at 343 as a producer and community manager. And before that, you coached two legendary Halo rosters, Triggers Down and Final Boss, all while establishing your success as a YouTube content creator, which is one hell of an esports resume so far. So let's go back to the beginning. How did you first get into Halo? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I think I got into Halo kind of the same way that... Um a lot of a lot of guys and girls my age did um really it was just uh halo one came out and everyone was talking about it um it was before i had a xbox on my own a, you know friends were talking about these halo land parties and i was really lucky to grow up in an area in central new jersey where there's these neighborhoods that have you know they're packed with houses so in any given like block you had no exaggeration 10 plus kids around your age that at the time, we're playing Halo 1 and Halo 2. Right. Uh, so I remember like wanting to be uh, part of just like, they were always like, we're having these Halo LAN parties. I don't even know, I didn't even know what Halo LAN party meant. I was just like, I gotta be a part of these. And then um, I'd say what really got me hooked is kind of the culture around that. And then like two and a half hour games of Blood Gold CTF where you're learning how to get every single vehicle perfectly jammed in the base so that a fly can't be pulled. Right. And the only reason the games would end is because one of the Xboxes was like old and it would quit and then the whole system link us down. Oh my um, God. So that was kind of my first intro into just, um, yeah, falling in love with Halo multiplayer. Um, it, it was kind of like that, which, you know, is not a unique story. I think there's, there's certainly hundreds of thousands. Um if not millions of, of, of similar stories from the days of Halo 1 like that. Well, not to discredit or anything. I think that the biggest thing is just where it all happened, the neighborhood, right? Because I, I I, mean, everybody had similar experience as far as, you know, the first time multiplayer playing at hours on end. But like you're near so many people in a neighborhood that are near your age that are all playing it. Like you said, there are land parties as well. Uh, so like at what point did that just hobby for Halo start to shift into more of a lifestyle? Because it seems like from very early on, you were hanging out with people who were like the best players in the world and playing with them on a regular basis. When did you start meeting some of those some of those guys? Yeah, it took a, it took a a good while um and it was something that i think really was what attracted me eventually to to playing competitively uh was exactly what you're describing playing with the best players in the world but it took a while to get there um right you know there was i was i and this is a story with a lot of guys that have gone on to great success too uh i'm like i certainly wasn't even near the some one of the best players like in my high school or anything like that there was you know a lot of competition in i also went to a really big high school almost four thousand kids okay um so like you know you know you kind of your the way that you were viewed socially was how good you were at halos truly wow. like your, your halo 2 xbox live rank was like kind of what some what people knew about you that's incredible um, so i kind yeah. of you know i really got into i think the the bridge into competitive play um, we have, you know, Max Hoberman and, and his team at Bungie to thank for this is I think online ranking system just paved the way for people to think about Halo and competitive console gaming in the right way so that when something like MLG comes on your uh, radar, you're like, oh, I know, you know this is this is awesome. Like this, I'm a level I'm a pre pre title update 116. This guy's a 22, all this stuff. He obviously stand by bridges, yada, yada, yada. You kind of already yeah. have this hardwired into your head about uh, competition through Xbox Live. But right. um where I really and at first I really wasn't too into the tournament circuit, even even right when Halo Two launched. Um, I, I didn't know a lot about it, but slowly friends kind of introduced me to like the the big names in the scene. So back in the day, we're talking just to pull names out of a hat. Obviously, uh, SDK 3D, but even like the likes of learning about Poison, Little Poison, Sad Panda A, Blackjack, all these kind of um, 
ancillary figures that weren't either on the Team Freaks or the Team 3Ds, et cetera, but that were right. Um, that were just it was kind of cool to learn about the scene, and it was truly like thrown together blogs, whatever MLG had at the time. MLG did really good. MLG had really good content, and I read every single article. I mean, ever like the Killer N interview. I'll never forget that picture of him in front of like the hostel poster. Um, Elamite interviews. I remember reading like before New York 06, I'm printing out like all the interviews they had and like reading them in like math class. Um, so I started to get really into the aspect of the, or rather the idea that these are the best players in the world. And I really, I immediately recognized how special that was that there, these these competitors truly are the best in the world. And I, I would never be, or there's a good um, chance that I'd never be this close to kind of um, that kind of center of something as, as right. I was then. So I remember um, it's funny. I'm visit, I'm home visiting family for uh for a, a wedding and also um, my grandfather's birthday. So it was in this very room that I remember sitting and playing um, against even, it wasn't say the, the, the top, even top three, top four teams. I remember playing against guys like um, Vegito, Shook One, a few others. And I remember like my dad coming in the room. It's like three in the morning. He's like, hey, it's a school night. What are you doing on Xbox Live? And I just right. like, take the headset off. And I'm like, dad, these are some of the best players in the world. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to need to finish these games. And I put yeah. the headset back on. Um, and yeah, and I slowly kind of just started to, um, which means nothing yeah. to the dad, by the way, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm playing the best players, but I, in the but, world. I, but I, but I got away with it, but I, but I was able, right. to, I was able to say on Xbox live. Um, right. but yeah, I think I slowly kind of, um, started attending events. So my first event was New York, uh, finals 05, um, which was, you know, it was, a an amazing event to see. It was, uh, for anyone who was there or remembers the footage, an amazing finish to like a midship ball. And just I remember being in the same room as a lot of the guys that I ended up coaching, uh, competing against, et cetera. Um, and then from there, all of uh, 06, attended every event I could. Um, and then officially in 2007, started coaching full time and um, started out coaching like a top 24 team. Um, it was a good team, but um, I kind of. Uh, yeah, hovered around coaching uh, teams. We we did well that event. We just missed top four. This is probably a, a I think I owe a big part of my success to Charlotte 2007 okay. because I was coaching Wu Tang Financial, which was uh, Sure Shot, Silver Sun, Fire, and gosh, and Bullets. Okay. Um, uh, so really talented uh, top end players, semi pro players, and we played Legends, which is like oh man, at the time I want to say it was IJOI, Defy. And that crew, I can't remember the exact roster, but they had, they had a fourth seed. And we choked in a lockout ball and like should have should have stolen their top, top four seed and should have been like on a clear path to uh, pro passes and, and uh, pro team for the year. And right. choking out choking that series, I think I was like, wow, I need to like I need to succeed. Now. I have to I feel like I, we came so close to stealing a top four seed in the middle of a, a season opener. So um, from there, for all of 2007, I coached teams all the way up. I think we ended this, I ended the year with FBI Icon and we got sixth at Nationals. And then 2008 is when I, um, you know, uh, just kind of uh, got the offer to, to coach Final Boss. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the, the semi-condensed version of kind of going from just playing on Xbox Live to getting myself to tournaments and kind of meeting a whole bunch of people and then eventually deciding that I wanted to, to, to focus on school and coach and then try to figure out what I could do from there. Yeah. So there's kind of a crazy transition there. First of all, you said you're reading like MLG articles and you're so invested in it. How old are you when you're, when you're like this? Yeah. Uh, this is, 
if this is I was um I was anywhere between fourteen and sixteen. Um, okay. I remember, yeah, I remember even sitting in class and like for absolutely no reason other than my own entertainment, writing like detailed strategies to like counter pushes on like a two v two lockout to like wow, exactly dude. how to nade window from elbow <laughs> and which because I and I got those ideas actually from oh gosh. I want to say it was halo-tips.org. Anyone who remembers that site. Oh um, it was it was one of the first places I saw the um, like the Rippin montages, the Nakamura and Otaku stew, those guys, yeah. um, the Waka, uh, I believe. Uh, halo, Sorry, uh, halo-pro.org, I believe is what it was. Okay. And they also, in addition to those, they had these older articles that were written by like Strange Purple, so SDK Doug, um, from Halo 1 that were right. like these text-based tip articles of like free-for-all, hang them high, and all these, uh, and there might have been a Damnation 4v4 article in there. So I kind yeah. of saw that and wanted to do something similar. I mean, I never published this. I never posted it. It was kind of just for my own enjoyment. So I was kind of like, I actually remember also sitting down in a notebook, like, what are the things that I can do to try to make a name for myself in the MLG scene? How can I build a career here? And i just taking wow. those kind of notes instead of paying attention in school, yeah. That's incredible. At like 14, dude. That like I can't even at 14, I I'm not even comprehending my future. I'm I'm being a delinquent. You know, it's like anyway, I just I, I find that that's that's unbelievable. And I guess it's just kind of a product of the world that you're surrounded with. Like you said, everybody played Halo and almost like your social status was was based on you yeah. know, the kind of level you're at in Halo. I find it interesting that you transitioned into coaching so early though. I guess you realized early on that you just kind of had the mind for coaching. You didn't want to do the competition for too long, or you kind of tried your hand at it. It was yeah, um, I mean, so all of my all my playing was always with locals. So I competed through end end of two thousand five, all of two thousand six yeah. with locals. Um, and I mean, we 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 had some okay finishes. I was scrimming with decent players, but yeah, I felt like I really wanted to uh, at least try coaching. I don't think I had any idea at the time that I would end up coaching full time for five years. I didn't. In yeah. that five-year span, 2007 to 2012, I didn't miss a single event. Um, wow. I coached at every one of them, and I, d I don't think I had any idea I was doing that. But I think it kind of started with this is pre this is pre Facebook, so I'm mess I'm messaging like people on MySpace, um, just like um, people that are around, just in the scene. So I remember one specifically was Vogue Megan, who's at event, who's back at events now, which is amazing. But just kind of messaging okay. people that were in the same circles as me, being like, "Hey, I think I want to coach." Um, and maybe a few of them had coached at events at the end of 06 as well when coaching started to pick up a bit. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of reaching out to a few of them like, hey, what do you think of it? How would you like it? Do you know of any teams that need coaches? Um, and then messaging people on the forums as well. Um, and I thought I would have I, th I thought I'd be maybe decent at it. I don't remember specifically thinking, oh, yeah, this is something I'm going to be good at or even this is something I'm going to um, excel at. But I think just uh, um, I, I knew I'd be into it. So I kind of wanted to give it a shot. And right. um, yeah, and then I think also Halo Two is a very demanding game for coaches uh, on a, a number of levels. I think the arguably the biggest of which was you were in a ballroom with a thousand people, and you were. I mean, the primary role was you were screaming over the right. volume of the room just to make sure the guy on the left knew what the guy on the right was doing. Right, and you're telling. I mean, it was. And then on top of that, if you look at a game like, you know, Creek. Um, flag or Creek Slayer. If you're when you're timing uh, power ups and a sniper and a rocket, and they're you know these are these are dynamic timers. So right, you're, you're running stopwatches, you're running clipboards. It was a very <laughs> a very different game to coach. So 
Yeah. I think it was, I really enjoyed all that. Uh, I liked kind of keeping energy up on a team. And uh, yeah, I just took, the, I think I took the role uh, seriously before a lot of people did. Um, yeah. It's not that I took it more seriously. I think I was in the right time, right place um, that I was just taking coaching really seriously, you know, in <laughs> at the first event of 07, which I think put me in, in an advantageous spot to kind of see where I could go with it. Kind of makes you a bit of a pioneer in the space as well, because there wasn't really anything quite like that. Like Halo was very new as far as competitive gaming goes. I mean, you might have had stuff in Asia and StarCraft kind of came into the scene. Yeah, C- or CS kind of had CS kind of had coaches because um, if you look at like anything to like pre CGS or during CGS, that, right. that manager coach role has always kind of been a hybrid. Right. You know, someone like Jason Lake kind of pioneered that as well. So I followed in in, in some footsteps certainly. Um, but for console, I think I think Halo was the, the first one to do it. Yeah, yeah, and then kind of good groundwork for the the future too, because yeah, Halo Two would have been mayhem. Like just the the mic, like uh, yeah, the technology they had would just not work well for that type of environment. You're shouting, you're like you've got yeah. your, like you said your timers and everything. I mean, most teams didn't have head headphones at all, right? Right, if they you, just yell at each other. <laughs> yeah, if you were lucky, you had a pair of Sennheisers, right? I mean, you have 3D and a few other, and like all, all the top eight teams are wearing Sennheisers and such, right? And but everyone else's. Just, you know, half the time you're playing split screen out of a tube and you're yeah. just, you got, we got four POV volumes coming out of really crappy tube speakers Jesus. Um, until you get out of split screen. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun though, man. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a blast. Yeah. And, and the good thing is that at some point you started picking up a camcorder and so you started filming the action yourself and, and now we can kind of be invited into it all and, and learn about your, your journey. Cause uh, at some point you got into content creation and like with all creators, like I like to, what I like to do is go back to the very first video on your channel. I'm not sure if this is the first video you ever uploaded, but mm-hmm. this is definitely way back. It's gotta be like at least eight years back or so. Uh, it's titled triggers down coast to coast. This is when you were coaching triggers down, I believe. Uh, here's a clip from the video. Tony can show it. Oh, let's see what this is. One time, I farted 25 times in a row. <laughs> uh, I just missed the last part there. It's just, uh, <laughs> I know what that next line is. I know yeah, what that next line there is. There it is. Nobody really cared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, oh, that's I had, amazing. That's I had amazing. to get some of the Ola shenanigans stuff in there too. There's so much of, of Ola just being hilarious in uh, oh, in those great, videos. Man. But man, tell me about these these times. Like this is just. I guess you're just kind of filming for fun. You, it was just. Yeah. What was going on? At that yeah, time. gosh, it really started. There was one specific land at Hysteria's house in Washington State, which was the first time I was out there. And um, uh, yeah, I just kind of threw on a f- back then. If you remember flip cams, remember those? Yeah, yeah, it just you know pops out the side. Yeah, yeah. the little the little things that the iPhone like really killed real fast. Um, right, right, right. The so I just had a flip cam, and um, yeah, I just kind of started throwing it on, and 
I don't even know what I had a little bit of video editing experience just from trying to make Halo 2 montages yeah. by filming my screen and then using Windows Movie Maker to make like a really shit montage. Um, I like the little the little up like you put text in there and it would be it would always be funny like you put jokes and stuff. What, how, how would you do that? Oh, that was uh, that would have been by the time that that video was out. That would have been um, like I was probably in like Premiere CS. Okay. earlier um yeah so i i, I kind of figured out just on my own how to do titles and really basic stuff um but yeah i just started throwing it on and like filming the team because i mean you look that team um right hysteria uh, heinz ola sk we had a blast um so it was we were really lucky to i was really lucky to join that team um we had an amazing just year um, and we, we always had so much fun. And when you have someone like Ola, honestly, the content creates itself. I mean, the right. things that I have Ola doing on camera, the things I have Ola doing on camera that haven't been published, yeah. um, there's like, yeah. So we just had such a great time. So I just kind of threw the camera on through ridiculous shenanigans. And then I remember specifically Ray Lau, who was the pro player manager at MLG. One time we were at this event where SK ended up winning. Uh, it was like a, it was, it was a Halo 3 GameStop event in Manhattan. And SK ended up winning, um, it's right when ODST came out. He won this heritage like free for all. They went into this bogus one v one. It was nationwide, massive tournament, and okay. he ends up winning. But at that event, um, Ray, the pro player manager, turns to me and he's like, "Hey, that video you made." And me, I'm like, I don't know, I'm 16 or 17 years old. I'm like, "Oh shit, sure. what what is he about to say?" Like, am I, you know, because like we're using we're using triggers down naming. I don't know who owns a triggers down name at that point. All this right. stuff. So I'm like, "Oh man, I'm gonna be in trouble." He's like, "That video you made," and I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Keep doing it." Because nobody, <laughs> nobody was doing content um, at that stage. This is this is early, right? Early '09, and um, nobody was kind of doing team content. Uh, I think people were doing montages and and and, and things of that sure. nature, some gameplay related stuff. But nobody was doing team content, and I didn't really think of it as team content. I didn't think of it as like sponsored content we could sell. We were just having a good time. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into to all that. It was. Uh, nothing that was super deliberate with like an effort to create this or create that. We were just having a good time. Yeah. And, and that's just kind of where the fun started. Cause it seems like things really started to ramp up when you joined the land network. And that seems like that was a huge part of your halo lifestyle. Uh, tell me a bit about this land network. What is it for those who don't know what we're going to do is we're going to play a tour up and maybe you can try to give a, a bit of a tour as the tour plays. The quality's kind of shoddy sure, now, yeah. but this is a classic tour video. So yeah. the, Oh, okay. This week, this is good. That was a few tour videos, so I'm glad you have this one. Okay. So okay. this is what you saw in the coast to coast video was actually the, the the original house that the land network could place at. This is the this is what was called the gaming house, which was in the same town in uh, the Chicago suburbs. But uh, I mean, this is pretty great. This is by the you know, this is quite far into it. We got all the jerseys like frames <laughs> on the walls. You got all the FB jerseys, right. and everything. Um, and out here, everyone was kind of just chilling. In terms of console. Esports. This was kind of the first of its kind that we're aware of. Yeah. Um, where you kind of had anywhere from two to <laughs> all the way to I think we had eight at one point teams uh, out there. But yeah, this is kind of this was the the HQ downstairs where you're going to see it. it was sweet. This couch was always packed. I'm talking like hip to hip. Everyone's watching scrims. You'll see in a second because we had monitors from the uh, I think it's maybe looping back, but we had monitors from the two gaming stations. So 16 kits down there. Two full stations of an eight setup, kind of all piped into these TVs, so you could kind of from a lot of places in the house just watch the scrims um, as they are. went. But uh, but yeah, you'll see. There's the here's the TVs right here, so you can kind of just watch the scrims uh, all day, all night. I mean, 
the games the games didn't stop uh it was pretty amazing but yeah it was it was great this is the, like i said this is the second house so um by by this time to be honest a lot of things are streamlined for both i'd say for both better and for worse it's less you know it's less homey you can kind of already tell just from the that the last video you just watched a lot of that was from the first house right, and it was right. more just like you know, ordering ridiculous orders of famous Daves, all these pizzas show up. Yeah. I just saw a picture actually on my PC today. I randomly ran across on a hard drive of when I would go with Tots's dad to, to do the Costco runs. You should have seen we had to do separate trips because the most we ever had at the house was an 18 land. So that's a minimum 30, you know, 36 with a, a few coaches, not all coaches. So you got a bunch of you know, f- upwards of 40 guys plus his own family there. So we would have to do separate, even with huge vehicles, separate runs at Costco for food. And then we'd go back to Costco sometime that day for like a separate run for drinks. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was a blast. Uh, we were so lucky to be a part of it. It's hard to it's, it's hard to say, um, you know, how much it did for all of us, how much it did for all the scene. Um which is kind of why I made that video right before I uh, right before I left YouTube was kind of like my my goodbye video because like yeah everything at the Land Network was amazing first of its kind for for console stuff um, and, and in many ways the first of its kind period uh, yeah. gosh it was a it was a great time I spent I would spend entire summers out there so would a lot of guys and you know I was for most of the actually all of TLN I was in college full time too so. Every weekend I can get out there. I made sure I tried to get either Mondays and Fridays off or worked my schedule in a way that let me travel. But once the summer hit, we would just be out there. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, and it was a blast. There's actually – I think it's uploaded. Um, people can tweet me if they want to try to find the link. But there actually was a full-blown reality show, not tr- pilot, but trailer shot for TLN by, like, a professional wow. production team and everything. Oh and God. I, I only saw it, believe it or not. I, I couldn't believe it. I only saw that trailer within the past few years. Um, okay. And uh, so that's a gem too. But yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. It essentially was, it was, you know, all these, all these pro players, all these best friends just hanging out all the time, playing upwards of a sometimes four series a day. So like minimum 44 games on some, sometimes when we were Jesus. landing, there's a lot of Halo. Uh, and in between that, we're just goofing off, having fun, playing, as you saw in the other video, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, Daytona Racing. Um, just watching movies, watching shows. It was, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more. It was great. Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't really know, like, or have the context, I guess. So it was, a, it was one family. It was uh, like Joe Fries and, and Tots. Uh, I, I don't know how. Is it the Fries, the the family, or how would you describe? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean the. Uh, I guess they are both two different versions of the potato, but um, yeah, <laughs> the uh, yeah. yeah the the Pinocchio family. The Pinocchio were, Pinocchio family. There you go. Sorry. Um, there, yeah. So Pinocchio family, and then they, they rented this, or not, they had, they had purchased the house and it's specifically dedicated to Halo. Like, how, at, is that... so at first this was all, I, this was all happening in their own home. Uh, yeah, okay. the coast to coast clips you saw, like that is all in their own home. So they they are, um, yeah, opening their house from anywhere, anywhere between 12 to 40 plus guys. I mean, just sleeping on every couch you can imagine, every surface. I, I would sleep in like this little small gym they had on the floor most of the time because even though the light would come in, I would know no one was going to like step on me or wake me up because yeah. you can imagine what it's like if like 20-something guys are sleeping in a basement. Granted, it was we weren't sleeping on top of each other, but it's like <laughs> the chances of you getting woken up 
mean, you were going to get woken up. Walsh, she has a great story about how he's sleeping under the NBA jam machine and, and that like 530 in the morning, people turn it on and start like slamming the NBA jam right, right above his head. Um, so this was like just a, their just their own generosity out of out of the goodness of their hearts. Gina would have her sister come over and other family members come over so they could cook. I mean, you can imagine how much food like 40 guys can eat. Yeah. Um, so oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you though, Tony. Put some up in the background, by the way, because I I know it would be nice to see some while he talks, and then you can keep it going. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, this this whole preamble is quite long. You could probably skip through this depending on what kind of control you have. But yeah, and it's it's uh you know it's kind of it's amazing to see also where you know where so many of these guys have gone. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing to see kind of so many of guys are now working in games or streaming or whatever. Um, but uh, but yeah, essentially it was. I think I, I kind of glossed over the fact that, you know, it was uh, this this amazing kind of just homemade operation of the really good practice. And I think the, 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 the one of the reasons now this is not certainly not the reason, but it's one of the many reasons that Halo 3 towards the end was mm -hmm. so tight and so competitive was because these top teams. Oh, man, garbage day and recycling day. What a oh. nightmare it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's just stuff like this. Like it was constantly just like scrims and turn at the end of every single land you'd have these like tournaments that true i mean you know it really got you ready for the next tournament we would do random money aids like just all the time non-stop playing um and it was uh it was a blast I, I think a lot of a lot of the success that a lot i mean there, there were not teams that were winning events that weren't at these lands you know which i think tells you about the quality of the practice yeah and this this has to really kind of shape your career going forward as well because it's like the relationships that you're developing with these people like I, there's ninja hanging out in here also like some of the biggest personalities in esports are are just chilling here having fun you're you're developing relationships with these people and then from there bigger opportunities seem to arise uh is that kind of how you felt like it was like a uh, to be really honest i mean for you. yeah but before any of this like we were all just like best friends so this was like all the video okay. and all like the all the network if you will and all the video and all that, it's all just really byproducts um, of like kind of what we had already been doing for so many years. Okay. So I never really thought of this as like pivotal to my career, if you will. I just, I kind of just thought of, I mean, there's nowhere else I wanted to be. I just want to be hanging out yeah. with all these guys. Um, and it's still the case. Like anytime, you know, I, for example, I, I can't tell you how many times I talked to Walsh on the phone these past two weeks. I was on the phone with Side only two days ago. Um, you know, it's the same with the guys now, right? I was on the phone with Onset. Right. I was on the phone with Onset today. So I think we're at the end of the day, we're all just you know uh, really, really good friends that that love that they love Halo, that love games, and I think we've been really lucky that a lot of cool things like this have come out of it. Yeah, damn dude, that's awesome, and I love that video too. You guys should definitely check out the full video. It's like I think at least twenty five minutes long. It just kind of gives you. It's like a documentary, which we need a lot more of that content in Halo. It really builds out the personalities of players and whatnot. So that's one of the one of the best kind of historical pieces to check out if you guys haven't seen it. Oh, um, yeah, no problem. Uh, so eventually, the Land Network did split up, and you continue to pr produce content for Halo. Halo Four was about to arrive, and you're hanging out with Walshy. Like you said, you guys are calling each other and stuff on a regular basis. You were hanging out and producing content together. You also were one of the first people to play the game as well. And we'll play up some footage in the background of you playing just some early access Halo Four. Mm -hmm. um, so, what was happening in your career at this point? Because was this when you were most this focused on the YouTube channel, and you're kind of working at Gamers Outreach at the same time, I believe? Yeah, I was doing some PR stuff for, for Gamers Outreach for, for Zach. He and I have known each other for a long time. The uh, Yeah, this is going to be RTX 2012. So okay. timing on that is like July, uh, early July 2012. Um, yeah, so what made me go to uh, 
casting and content creation uh, was was really. I think I eventually, you know, we did really, I, we did really well on with triggers down. We 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 won a few events, and I think towards the end, when we were uh, uh, towards the end of my coaching, um, we, we we were, I think, you know, we were placing anywhere from top four to top twelve, et cetera. And I kind of realized, like, I think I had a real chance to kind of do something of my own. And I got it was pretty stressful um, having done five years of uh, of coaching at a pretty high level knowing that essentially my entire not just like my morale my stress etc but like my livelihood depended on how well my team did and right. right yeah um, and uh you know so i'm finishing out school i graduated <clears throat> in 2012 as well so I, I i was finishing out school and i was like i really can't let um as much as i enjoyed coaching and as much as i love the ups and the downs and you know um Coaching 44 games a day in, at, at Lance is very different than playing. When you're playing, you can really get into the moment. Sure. It's easy to just be like, holy crap, when you're on game, you know, 36 of 44 and like, you're trying to stay zoned. So, um, and it's, uh, the reason I bring all that up is just it was a lot of time, a lot of prep work. So I kind of wanted to move into something, stay. I mean, I loved everything about Halo. I loved uh, everything about games. And I wanted to keep working in that. I love, I mean, the community is the reason I've, stayed in Halo for so long, right. but I wanted to do something on my own. So that's where I kind of looked to YouTube and then casting as like the two areas I could focus um, and see what I could build there. And uh, I had a little bit of, you know, um, YouTube stuff from the team content I had content I had done. So I think I had like a few hundred subscribers on okay. YouTube that I like kind of got without ever having a plan. So sure. then I went, um, yeah, just all in uh, right around I'd say right when Halo CE anniversary came out, so end okay. of Reach, uh, a little bit before, because I was doing I was doing a lot of Reach videos, um, and when one of the reasons that I I kind of went to YouTube and casting as well is I was very lucky to be in a position where, for the past five years, I had been surrounded by pro players um, at, at scrim. So whenever I was playing, I was lucky to be playing with them online or at lands, and whenever I was right. watching Halo, it was with them, and whenever I was talking about Halo, it was with them. So I, I realized over time, it didn't hit me right away, that my understanding of, of competitive Halo and the way I approached the game and like the do's and the don'ts and the absolute rules, things like that, all came. I was so lucky to have it come from these teams that I had kind of, that we figured all these strategies out with. So like stupid little things about like knowing that in a 2v2 on lockout, right, you never want to be standing on a place like open ramp. Like these little sure. nuanced rules that are all in my head that they had value uh, as a coach and then as uh, but that also translated pretty well to casting and uh, YouTube. Right. Um, so yeah, I, and then I kind of went for it. I went really, especially when I was about to be, when I was about to graduate from college, I just wanted to do, you know, I wanted to get real ambitious. There was a while where I was doing a video every single day. And I remember just staying at my laptop until whatever it was, four or five in the morning, yeah. sleeping a few hours, roll out of bed, back onto the laptop and Damn. just like recording, editing everything nonstop all the time and uh yeah and, and that's also kind of the same time that i met like i was really inspired by jericho um t martin um and those guys and these that they were building empires on youtube and they were i mean right. they're grinding and i just thought it was i thought it was awesome i thought it was cool and i wanted to create um something like that yeah 
Yeah. And I mean, like, like you said, you're kind of lucky to be surrounded with, uh, you know, pros and you're always kind of thinking of the game on that level. And that came in handy for the casting, but you definitely have the voice and the personality for it too. And that kind of, you know, just comes naturally, I guess. But there was this, uh, Halo four video that you did where you're kind of breaking down the weapons in a trailer. Tony, think, if you can show, uh, I think a quick... I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Tony, show a quick clip of that. I like that one. It was funny. Hey, what's up guys? This is Bravo and today I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on in the brand new Halo 4 UNSC weapons video. Fade to black, beginning of transmission, STDs, unnecessarily close, beautiful weapon, dramatic lighting, flickering light bulbs, somebody fix that! Longbow, big map, aerial coverage provided by Goodyear, red guy, top base with a turret, does not give a fuck. Next, blue lasers out of nowhere, assault rifles, spray and pray, come back kill T2, give him the backpack, more spray and kill catastrophe. Magnum next, more blue lasers, bang bang, headshot, zoom, bang bang, donkey punch, bang, green smoke, bang, pistol whip. And battle rifles back, lasers, three shot burst, double kill, headshot, so dirt. DMR, more lasers, single shot, beam me up, Scotty, holy missing shots, that guy sucks, win the long range battle, falcon punch, turret guy, flashing hunt, can't see shit. It could be, uh, it could be suffering through the whole thing. Um, okay, there but we I go. Yeah, so, so I gotta give a I do I I do it in the video as well, but um I gotta give a huge shout out to uh to Jericho because uh that style, you know, comes from kind of he's the godfather of the of the trailer breakdown in that style. So that's okay. totally uh that's totally uh, an homage to Jericho how he did some of the Call of Duty trailers. Um but yeah, we had fun with it. And uh, I, I you know I talked to him before I before I put that out. But uh yeah, those were those were fun. Yeah, yeah. And then did that kind of lead into the casting a bit? Because then you had, uh, and I don't know if this is the first time you were casting or if this is kind of uh, along the journey, but you had an opportunity to cast with Golden Boy at the Halo 4 Global Championship, which is a really big event at the time. We'll show a quick clip of that as well, and then we'll talk about it a bit. Sure. <laughs> Indeed. It looks like we're about to get this game underway right now, so let's cue the dramatic music. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure what we were going to get there, but we'll play it in the background as well. I know Tony has sure. a, a clip of you guys at the desk. Most of it is your voiceover commentary, so it's hard to kind of, uh, you know, showcase that without the audio. But there we go. Some more, more, you know, desk work with you. So, yeah, yeah tell me about it. That kind of transitioned you over to casting. When did the casting start happening? Yeah, sure. The casting started, um, the casting was an overlap, as, as a, has happened with a few people. The casting was an overlap with the coaching because I would grab uh, Puckett um backstage at reach events um and just ask if he needed someone to jump in the booth so there was times where i was casting with uh gandhi and pucket or shockwave and pucket and we were able to kind of do uh you know a series here and there whenever we had a series off as long as we were in winner's bracket um i would try to run up there and uh get in on a series and then actually golden boy and i casted uh, before this at an MLG okay. event. I don't know if it was Providence or where it might have been, but uh, all in 2011, 2012. So I had a few times on the desk, which is funny because MLG did a casting call late Halo 2, and they put up a sample videos of quad split gameplay, four. Okay. And you had to uh, submit a casting reel over it and send it in. And I, oh man, I would... I would love to know where mine is now because I submitted one. I'm sure it was god awful. This is probably 2000. That's what I need to find and showcase. <laughs> probably 2007. But um, so I had done a, a fair bit by then. Uh, I had never casted a, a full event, I don't think, but I had a lot of uh, games and series under my belt. But the Halo 4 Global Championship is a pretty special event for for uh, Golden Boy and I and a lot of people that worked on it. It was. Right. 
at the time, I mean, we were really proud of what the product was. I think there were certainly challenges with it. It right. it broke a lot of convention, right? It's a free-for-all tournament that had a crazy online qualifier. The tournament had very specific goals for Xbox. Right. Um, but we were really lucky to have a, I mean, a crazy talented team that put on that show. And that was that was kind of my first foray into into big budget um, esports. And we were, at the time, Riot had only done about one or two of their big shows. Um, and we were we were really happy with kind of how that event sat for a very very brief time, kind of in the the global esports landscape. Um, that was an event that was probably the I look back on it fondly, but it was probably the most stressful time stressful time of my life. Um, wow. I had I joined three four three in late November two thousand twelve, and I started working on that tournament in in January. Oh um, God, yeah. And yeah, we. Uh, there wasn't a big team that worked on the development of that tournament. Uh, I was, I remember just grinding. So I, I remember the exact soundtrack that I was listening to on Spotify, the exact playlist, like for months and months getting this uh, tournament ready. And I was, uh, I remember uh, every, you know, the online component of the Halo 4 Global Championship was, um, uh, the easiest way to say it is it was complicated and not ideal, but it, 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 it served its purpose. So you, you could, you played online and to allow for like uh, disconnects and like wonkiness, there was a few games you could lose that okay. would get killed off your, so we'd, we'd shave like the worst stats from your record. Uh -huh. So that would say give you three disconnects a week or something like that. So that like, because online isn't perfect, we tried to build all these different things in. Um, and granted they weren't perfect, but in, in some ways, um, uh, some aspects were, were 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 worked pretty well, but I remember watching Dursky stream Halo Four, and I saw him. I saw people quitting from games, which triggered. I, um, I realized that there was a clause like in Halo 4's like multiplayer like um, back end that if if the game detected a lot of people, if you were host and a lot of people were quitting, okay. in a I'm talking a ton in a short period, it would it flagged it as like host bridging and and um, knocking people offline um which makes sense it was like it was like right. 60 and if 60 an hour quit or something while you have hosts you are likely cheating but okay. because uh, a tournament like the halo 4 global championship creates um non-normal player behavior i realized in my head that he was going to get like knocked off he was going to get banned from like matchmaking because he was going to hit a flag so i remember like sending some emails and making some phone calls like three in the morning because i was pretty sure it was going to happen and like the next day, like whoever was head of like the services team, like came down to me and was like, hey, you shouldn't be waking up my engineers in the middle of the night because this is that. Uh, but I, I don't regret it at all. I knew like I knew exactly what was going to happen. I, I didn't mind waking people up in the middle of the night, but it was kind of stuff like that. Yeah, um, it was kind of stuff like that. And then also just designing the whole tournament. I worked with uh, someone who's at Xbox now. She's been at Xbox for a long time. Her name's Tina Summerford. She was executive producer of the show. She put that entire stage design. Um, she had a team working on that. Um, you know, we had that tournament was also directed by the same guy. His name is Rick Fourteen, who did uh, the international uh, for Dota. Um, a lot of the TIs for Dota, he does them. So we were so lucky to have Rick. He he kind of had we had the same exact satellite truck that does the the international pull into the back of Ben Royal Hall in Seattle. We had no idea if no one was going. to... This thing was a Pax Prime. We had no idea if if anyone was going to come. Obviously, we advertised it. We uh, the production value was, was insane like it, it was pretty amazing going back and watching it like you had there were like all these like stare shots and like uh in, in different unique interviews and stuff it's kind of like almost before its time like now we have stuff like this today but, yeah. yeah yeah we we loved it we were lucky to have such an amazing crew but alex and i had a great time i had like 
yeah, I was so stressed. Like there was so much going on in my life, but, and we, we had to wing it. I remember they had, um, they had teleprompters built for us into those screens and they, they just said ad lib. They didn't actually say just, yeah, (laughs) because the show didn't, you know, like any esports show these days, that's not a two hour show for TBS or whatever. There is no teleprompter. We just do the show. Um, so Alex, it was pretty nerve wracking. Uh, but Alex and I look back on that show really fondly. I mean, obviously it was pretty amazing to also have, you know, an ace and pistola final, the fact that it went down to Mexico wins the whole thing. Uh, it was a blast, uh, and certainly wasn't perfect. Uh, the format, the show, all that stuff. There's there was big learnings that came out of it. Even even you know there's the Halo and Xbox didn't do a show like it after because there was a lot of key learnings. But right. um, at the time we were we were it, it was a blast. We we loved doing that show. So, yeah. So I mean, it sounds like a huge undertaking just from what you've been saying. Like you're waking up, you're getting up at three a.m. trying to you know fix things and make sure everything's working correctly. And this is when you're already working for Halo Three. So what I want, or sorry, for for three four three. My bad. Uh-huh. Uh, let's take a step back for a second, kind of figure out you know how you got there. So you're you're producing content on a regular basis. You're getting bigger. Halo Four is about to land almost immediately after the release of Halo Four. Came your opportunity at three four three. And to kind of lead into the discussion, I want to showcase this video. It's the season two update. I loved this video. Really Really well done, and we'll just play about a minute of it or so. Tony can show it. Hi there, I'm Andy Bravo Dodinsky, and this is another Halo Championship Series update. Season two of the HCS has come to a close, and with it, we've seen a fantastic series of online and land tournaments, plus the high-stakes season two finals from ESL. There, the top eight teams with the most HCS points battled it out for their share of our biggest prize pool yet, $150,000. While the prize money is always a nice incentive, most teams were simply determined to take down the season one champs and the team that dominated the entirety of season two, Evil Geniuses. But despite all efforts, including a stellar attempt in the grand finals from Counter Logic Gaming, EG's rule over the HCS could not be undone. Snipe down. An incredible video, and and that's just kind of a small sliver of what you did when you were at three three uh, three four three. So I guess tell me a bit about the role. How did you get the job? And then maybe we can talk a bit about that video too. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, when, when to to get back to kind of where we were when we were talking about. Um, Halo 4 is on the horizon and I'm working on YouTube. Um, right. Yeah, I was really lucky. Actually, there's a the huge cascading effect from one specific moment in that year. Um, I, was at the, um, I was at the Gunner booth at PAX East 2012. So we're talking okay. like March. And Duststorm, who does Podtacular and a lot of uh, Halo community work, swings by the booth. And we're just, we're playing like Halo. We had Halo CE Anniversary, uh, you know, Reach Multiplayer just okay. like uh, playable at our booth. So we're just kind of playing with people. And he mentions to me that uh, he's like, BS Angel is here, who at the time was the, the community manager for Halo, who I had begun following, you know, for, for quite a while as the Halo 4 um, train kind of started to build. And uh, I was like, okay, cool, bring her over here. And so I met Jess um, and um, yeah, we had kind of had, had a really quick conversation. But after that, um, got invited to the next event after that, was definitely E3 in uh, in June, uh, so I got invited to kind of like a, the press event uh, at E3, and then that led to the press event at RTX, which led to San Diego Comic Con, which led to PAX Prime. So, so in this, events, yeah. yeah, the whole the whole Halo Four press tour. So I ended up um, 
in a really natural way, meeting all these people that were at 343 working on the game. And I was just there with one agenda, right, to get my YouTube content. Um, <laughs> I was setting up, I was figure, I was working, like for PAX Prime, I was working at one sponsor booth for this team that I was helping. But like during any downtime, I'd run down to like the next level right. at the Halo 4 booth, set up, I mean, truly <laughs> set up a DSLR, point it at the screen. And, you know, uh, me and Hysteria would play some games and I'd get that gameplay footage and then, uh, I remember, like, for example, at E3, the Walshy video was uploaded at the Hooters across from the oh, L.A. Man. Convention Center. And I'm, like, praying that Hooters Wi-Fi will let me upload this video. So <laughs> I was really – I was at these events with one goal was to just uh, have the best Halo channel on YouTube and to it get – uh, yeah, It did actually pay – sorry to interrupt. It did pay off a bit too, though, because the armor customization video is your most viewed video. It's got, like, 555,000 views from you going through the armor at, the, at a, a pre-Halo 4 event. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like, a lot of that, yeah, a lot of that, um, that early content, um, just the stuff we're showing off. I think a lot of people want, you know, myself included, just wanted to see what was packed into Halo Four. So I got really lucky. Yeah. Uh, it was also before studios were really intentionally thinking of how to of, of an influencer strategy. So okay. I was lucky that I would just kind of say, "Hey, can I film this?" And then I'd email a, I'd email a PR guy at that time, Rob Sempsey, who's who's still with Three for Three, and I'd say, "Hey, can I?" what's fair game, what's not, and we, we would go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so I was just 100% focused on YouTube and kind of thinking about how I can really just, you know, cover cover the, the news of the game. And I was, just, I was just as excited as everybody else was about what, right. Halo, what Halo 4 was going to look like. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, and then it was uh, right around the end of PAX Prime. So this is now September of 2012 where um, a few people from 343, uh, they approached me and they asked me if I wanted to join the studio. And um, at first, I wasn't sure, uh, like, because I'm just like sleeping on friends' couches. I'm doing, I'm like, you know, uh, at the time, neighbor was in West Hollywood, so I'd spend some time at his place. We'd like make some videos, Um, and yeah, I it took. I I thought like long and hard about it because I was I was not making any sort of money on YouTube. Uh, Right, I could have been if I wasn't like in a terrible contract that I was in. But uh, once again, YouTube was never for. I wasn't even really using YouTube as a way to make ends meet. I was just so, kind of doing it because I loved it. Right. Um, and it was fun. And uh, like I said, I could roll out of bed every day and see what the reaction is to the work I had done and then get started on something new. Like yeah. Day. And yeah. there's not a lot of things that, that, that I had done that were that way. Um, but yeah, eventually uh, talked to him more, um, interviewed. Um, and then, yeah, I decided it was... And then at that point, it became a little bit financially based because, like I said, YouTube was not paying the bills and I had just finished school and I needed to figure out what I wanted to do next. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of, the, I, at that time there were not a lot of people that I knew in Seattle. Luckily a lot of, a lot of the guys did come out that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll pack up my stuff and move across the country and, 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 and work on Halo. So, yeah. Damn. Damn. So, and then as far as, uh, once you got the job, you had two separate roles. So you were a producer, I think, starting out, and then you became community manager. So I guess maybe tell me a bit about the role and responsibilities. We can play a bit of the uh, the video in the background as well, Tony, the uh, the HCS Season 2 update. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, when I first got there, it was a, really a community producer role, um, a little bit of a, a little bit of like sustained multiplayer production. So um, essentially, after the few weeks of playlists, um, there, there wasn't a huge plan just because they had, they had enough programming built out to, to, for the first bit, but they wanted to kind of figure out where, where Halo multiplayer for Halo four, like what kind of tweaks should be made. So things like 
getting a competitive doubles playlist out, working on the first, uh, you know, the first kind of what was eventually called Legendary Slayer, but getting a little bit of that out. But a lot of it was, I mean, almost all my work was kind of community productions are working with forgers on what kind of forge content should go in the game and uh, things like that. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, just kind of community producing for events and community events and things of that nature. And then, uh, yeah, eventually the opportunity came up for uh, community manager, uh, which, you know, is a promotion of sorts. But um, eventually, yeah, I, I, I took that gig and then that, you know, was uh, a lot of fun. It was uh, also really hard. Um, it, it was a good time to, for me to take that opportunity because there are so much uh, there's so much overlap between community and esports that a lot of what I did in the community manager role um, was esports related because it was right around the time that the beginnings of HCS were starting. Um, so that was kind of the the, the the a large bulk of my work in the CM role. Um, that was a lot of my kind of uh, job, but I'd say I had so much more community work to do that you know we ended up everyone everyone on the community team works crazy hours. Yeah, and I, I think by choice, no one, uh, everyone's kind of there. Everyone's there early and everyone's there until pretty late in the evening. Even if we're, even if it's 9 PM and we're just playing some games together, uh, back right. when, back when, back when I was on the team. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I was lucky. There was a lot of overlap there and then eventually, um, kind of stopped, uh, working on esports as much. And, and, and my last role there was as a senior producer, uh, on the team, but, uh, right. but yeah, it was, I, it exposed me to so much in games, to so much in esports. Uh, I learned a lot there. There's so many great guys and girls there. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was uh, it, it's it's hard to even kind of think, try to put into words, uh, you know, how many opportunities I had over there. But yeah, I can imagine. And there's kind of I just have like a list of so many things that you've done, like along with the the writer of the Halo Bulletin as well. That kind of transitioned into the the weekly, or I guess it's is it monthly. You get the updates on uh, on Halo they, Waypoint. Yeah, they were weekly, uh, man. They were I don't. They're you know long too. Is people always uh, a lot of the the people I was working with, including my manager at the time, was like, you know, these don't have to be five thousand words every week. And I was like, I know, right. but but I also felt like, I don't know, I just didn't. Yeah, there was there was something there was a there. I was lucky that there was so much Halo news to cover during right. the majority of my time there. There were certainly dull periods, but I think there's you know there's there's so much to cover in terms of Halo community stuff at all times. And then forget it. If it's, if it's like new, new developer content, then you can just go in. But yeah, I was never able to get the community updates or the bulletins shorter. I just wasn't, they were, I, I woke up what I would do because I'm really good at working under pressure or I should say, I'm, I guess like for reference, I'm only good at working under pressure. It's kind of yeah. how I am too. Yeah. yeah. I would say that I'm really good at working under pressure is not fair to, People who actually are. I'm just only good at working under pressure. Or it's the um, only way you work in general is just yeah, under exactly. pressure. It's hard to do so anything if it's not. Yeah. I would like, I'd sort <laughs> some for these Friday updates, I'd often wake up on Friday at like 5.30 in the morning and then I'd publish right. them at like 7 p.m. Uh, and sometimes that was at like tournament Fridays. So there's, I have not so fond memories of in between casting Halo series. I'd pull out my laptop oh, and finish God. the update like at a random tournament backstage somewhere. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, and of course, during that time, you also were communicating with Reddit, like on a regular basis. And, uh, and it seems like you developed a bit of an identity there as well. It's called Barvo. Can you tell me what the heck Barvo is? Guys, check this out. These are images of a helmet constructed. And it, what, what is this exactly? I mean, 
you're you're asking the wrong guy. This is what? a uh, this is a. <laughs> First of all, uh, what the heck are you wearing in that picture in the bottom right corner? You got like bottom guys right. The, oh, that is, oh come on, that's photo. that's that's the full. That's yeah, I've got uh, gunners and just A40s and a, a really ugly white snapback. <laughs> that's about it. Um, but yeah, someone uh, yeah, kind of drafted it into a uh, like a, a helmet design that uh, maybe we'll see in a future Halo game. But yeah, I mean, Bravo just became this like uncontrollable. I mean, the, the short story is that someone one time mistyped Bravo and then like you know how Reddit can take something and run with it. Right. Uh, so then like a lot of, a lot of really good nicknames spawned, uh, off of that. But yeah, I just, I, I think Reddit is a really, Reddit is a really great place for things like, uh, community, um, uh, engaging with kind of, uh, community around a game. Um, it's like, it's, it's just really easy to get, uh, kind of really quick questions and really quick answers and, um, make sure that, that, that people kind of saw, the, the the work that that we were doing so it, it just was a really you know it's more effective than a traditional forum format it's more obviously more effective than pms it's like uh yeah i think just the format of the website lent itself and obviously like, it, there's quite a strong halo presence also the you know the the mods over there are, are pretty great i'd say there's a there was always on reddit like um pretty a, a good mix of critical discussion um negative discussion and then also things that were being celebrated so it kind of made sense to spend time there and and just learn about what the biggest pain points, what was going well, um, and things of that nature. Um, and yeah, it was a uh, it was a uh, it, it was definitely a, a I really enjoyed like just engaging with the Reddit community the whole time that I was that I was in the role. Yeah, even if you're like looking to be a bigger part of the Halo community or or like join Halo three sorry join three four three, it seems like it sets a great precedent for you. Like I was talking with Unishek a couple of weeks ago, and Halo Reddit is kind of where he really established himself. It was like the combination of Reddit and YouTube, and just going to the events that was really kind of like the the whole trifecta that that got him into three four three. Like it seems like it's a very important part of that. As far as the uh, Barvo helmet goes, it looks like somebody actually designed it in real life, and there's an image of that as well. Oh, this is amazing. This was, yeah, this was amazing. So this is in, yeah, this is in Southern California at an event. And I was like blown away uh, by the guys from the, the, the 405th who had put this helmet together. And I, yeah, I, that's the only, I was lucky to be, uh, receive a, a few helmets when I was at 343. I, I left all of them in the Halo Museum at 343, except for the, except for the Barva helmet. That thing is sweet. I was, yeah, blown away. And it has, like, light-up LED. It's got a hex in the goggles. You know, it's like, wow. the, uh, the visor, rather. It's, like, it's incredible. Damn, dude. It's unbelievable. Um, okay, so, I mean, all the work you did at 343, eventually it kind of came to a close. You did exit the role almost exactly a year ago now. It was May 30th that you have the, uh, the tweet almost, there. So it's, yeah, almost to the day. June 1st of my last day. So it's pretty wild. We're almost at exactly one year today. Yeah. So, I mean, since then, you've continued casting, so you haven't really disappeared. You've still been around. Um, but I know you've also been traveling. You've been working on other projects. So my question is, who are you today? Oh, gosh. Tough question. Who am I, I today? Maybe. Who are you? Who's Bravo? Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, are we all? Let's see. Yeah, the uh, I'd say the the things that I are, are I have my focused attention uh, that I'm focusing my attention on the most right now are... Uh, yeah, uh, casting and working on a few different games. Um, obviously, Halo is still a huge part of that. Right. Um, just did South by Southwest, and we'll talk about Halo Outpost as well. But um, yeah, uh, I'd say that's kind of where a lot of my energy is going. I'm also working on a project that I haven't announced yet, which I'm really excited about. Um, nice. 
trying to move pretty quick on it. Uh, I've got a few okay. people that, that that I'm jamming on it with, uh, and it's in games, so I'm really excited to talk about it when when it's ready um, for the world. Um, and then other than that, like I said, slowing down the travel a bit. I I spent the last year has been I've been on the road a lot, right? Um, and it's been a blast. And I plan on con- continuing to travel. I've seen some amazing places. Um, I definitely want to travel more, but right now I'm kind of hunkered down into into those two. I've got a uh, yeah, I'll be at E3 next month. Yep. Um, really excited about that, and uh, and a few more gaming events through the summer. Um, and yeah, I mean, as I said, other than that, the biggest things that are different in terms of um, leaving uh, Xbox, leaving three four three, really trying to, uh, you know, it's easy when you're, especially when. It's a blessing and a curse to be working on a game like Halo. I'd, first of all, I'd also I should also yeah, ca- caveat sure. and say I, I'd have it no other way. I'd, I'd I only want to work on things that I'm uh, that I'm that passionate about. But obviously, it it you know I was every single day for almost six years. I was spending pretty crazy hours at the office or on the road for the game, um, and I wouldn't change that at all. If I if I were to do it all again, or if I were to join the studio again, I would do the same exact thing. And, and I think that the same can be said for a lot of the guys there. Right. Um, Grim, Uni, Sketch, Tashi. We were, you know, a crew that was there, uh, you know, till so late in the evenings, on weekends, et cetera, because the game means so much to us. So I think since uh, having a chance to, to, and that's kind of the only way that a lot of us can can work on a game like Halo, I think, um, because it means so much to us. So now that I've had a chance to step back, I think kind of just, uh, yeah, uh, making sure that I'm healthy, um, kind of getting uh, all sorts of, different things right in my life making sure things are balanced that i'm even though i'm so excited about these new projects i'm working on that i'm also balancing that and that right i do things like when i spend eight hours straight working from a cafe that i don't bring my laptop charger so that i know that when the laptop actually dies i will actually stop working um kind wow. of things things like that that make sure that i that i don't spend too much time working because it's easy to wow. just it's easy to you know especially I, I did the same thing when i was doing youtube too right it's easy to just work every minute and and, and there's a yeah, there's a time and a place for that, but also trying to just maintain the right balance. Right. Um, and then, and then, yeah, and then see kind of what's uh, what's next. It's, it's obviously an exciting time for for Halo, for games, for esports. I think these next few years are going to be uh, really exciting, but also you can assume pretty different from the from the last few as well. So I'm excited to see where those go, where those might take me, um, and where they certainly where they take the whole Halo community. I mean. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we should talk about E3 too. But I'm, you know, yeah. since I know just as little as as everyone else, which is oh, exciting. Yeah? We, oh, I'm I'm telling you, which is exciting. Um, uh, so we, we will see where 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 we go from here. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. So it sounds like you have a lot going on. I'm excited about whatever that project is that you haven't announced yet that you're going to be announcing soon. Um, and like you said, you're still casting, you're still part of these events. Uh, and before we talk about Dallas and then E3, I, I know I've asked you like a million questions at this point. Um, but South by Southwest, I really enjoyed. And that was one of the, the recent events that you did. Um, on, and myself, many others love this grassroots style that the event had. And I mean, we showed in the pre-roll the, the, the therapy with Snipe Down Lethal. I want to know, like, where are these ideas coming from? Is like, are, are you helping out with that? And what do you think about this content? Does it really add value to HCS to have all these, you know, these different type of grassroots initiatives, unique content? Sure. Yeah. I, I can't take, um, I can't take any credit for, uh, these pieces in the content that was in South by Southwest. A lot of this came. Got to take credit for this performance here, though. This is unreal. Uh, I mean, we just kind of we winged it. Me and me, the the best. I wish people could see how um, 
first of all, there was some moments during this thing. I, I don't know if you could feel it when you watch it, but the energy got really weird in the room. Like people weren't, you know, there's there was a, a really talented team that that did that, that did this these content pieces, and they came up to me afterwards. They were like, "So wait, do they like do they do they hate each other? Like I can't tell what's going on here." And they were like, they actually said they felt like uncomfortable, which was great. Um, but yeah. All credit has to go to Tashi and the HCS team and then the content team over there. Tashi is the one who brought this idea to me um, and asked if I wanted uh, a little bit before the event. Actually, he brought it to me uh, quite a while before the event. And then we spoke about it again. And he kind of gave me just the, the idea of what he wanted that piece to be. And then we, yeah, we um, just kind of winged it. And uh, I will say, you know, uh, Eric and TJ delivered a great performance. They, uh, It was funny, too, because there was times when, I mean, there was times when I was asking questions and they were answering. I couldn't tell how serious they were either. Yeah. Um, I wish people could see their demeanor. I won't spoil it, uh, but I wish people could see their demeanor right after the interview. I think okay. I think telling you what it was like would remove some of the magic of the piece. But uh, it was pretty special to be part of it. Um, but uh, to, to kind of answer the second part of your question, I think right. I think yeah, content like that, uh, it's great. I've probably gotten more comments on that that piece. Granted, once again, not not my uh, brainchild, but just because I happen to be featured in the piece, mm-hmm. um, I've probably gotten more comments on that, both in person and and like on Twitter, than we have in in a long time. So it, right. I think that is pretty telling that, that yeah. that's the kind of stuff that people want to see. And I think I absolutely think Tashi and team, based on just our quick conversations afterwards, um, um, and and the whole team over there, I think they're aware of just how much that moves the needle. And I think people. Uh, you know, it's amazing to see people racking up multi kills and insane uh, plays at a tournament. But I think it's a you know it's a whole there's there's so much value in in, in people really just wanting to get to know these players uh, more yeah. and seeing more than just them sitting leaning forward into a monitor and yeah. competing. Yeah, building out their personality and even kind of taking a step back from the kind of overly professional like suits and stuff that you would always see in your esports events. You guys are rocking like matching sweaters. Tony, there's the the video on Twitter as well. Um, this this right here. I don't know if we can play the actual video. Uh, there we go. Yeah, this is this is sweet. The best part about this is that Onset bought that sweater. These are not cheap sweaters, right? South by Southwest okay. is South by Southwest is a is a pretty premium event so onset goes and buys this sweater for fifty dollars and then <laughs> south by southwest uh like gaming uh team comes over and they like give us like a few free more a few more free ones and he's like wait a minute i just paid fifty dollars for this but and we're like yeah sorry oh my god um, but yeah the uh that that south by southwest was a great event and i'm so glad it turned out the way it did because it was very intentionally a departure from your standard right. kind of event that, that we had done and we had seen from the past few years. I mean, we haven't even talked about it yet, but running an you know an eight v eight big team battle where I have sixteen screens in front of us and just kind of yeah. yeah, just kind of I think we can't wait to do more of that as casters. I think we I think um, <laughs> in whatever way it manifests, whether it's in classic Halo, whether it's in future titles, I think the opportunity to just have a blast with you know stuff like that. You know, I think has been has been missing from a lot of the a lot of the shows we've done, and just having like over the top fun where you can't stop laughing and right. uh, and highlighting. And what's amazing is none of it's none of it is um it's not not only is it not forced, but it's not even programmed, right? No one was like, this is how enjoyable eight v eight Valhalla CTF is going to be. That's just Halo's natural gameplay moments coming out right right on stream, right? It's not like you. 
we didn't have to think at all for one minute about how do we want this to look or feel or right. uh, in terms of the gameplay itself, because that's when you just have a V8, really any BTB um, match across the you know, Halo 1, 2, or 3, you're going to get this ridiculous uh, outcome. It feels like you're in a living room watching this crazy LAN party, which is yeah. uh, kind of how it ended up being. So we were so happy with that. The 343 had that vision and kind of brought it to us. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And hopefully we see a lot more of it. Do you have any idea whether or not that's going to continue in any way in DreamHack Dallas? I know it's a very different event, probably harder to have this. Oh, oh I have no, no, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah unfortunately, I can't be there. Uh, I have no idea if there's any plans for that type of stuff. I certainly hope so. I think um, even if it's just goofy 1v1s, et cetera, there's so many sure. aspects of uh, of Halo that aren't, even that much of a right these are not in in super stark contrast to the competitive matches you'll be watching granted you can watch a match like that and then the next even that evening or the next day watch a match where snipe down is you know competing for a large sum of money with his team but at the end of the day right you're you're either watching ctf or you're watching slayer and i think there's a real overlap that maybe has been overlooked in terms of how much you know there's a, a the same audience that wants to see something like a 4v4 MIDI CTF is yeah. also going to get a huge kick out of a coag CTF uh, because we've all played hours of both. Um, so I think right. there's, there's, there's a lot of overlap and a lot of goodness that can come from getting, um, you know, the right mix of personalities on stage and having them play any sort of Halo uh, multiplayer. You can just end up with with magic. And that's the beauty. That's not that's not us. That's not the production team. That's the game. Uh, that, that is the game kind of shining. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like I said, hopefully we see more. I'm not sure what DreamHack Dallas will hold, but I mean, if they've got anything like that or even like a sticky challenge or something like that, I think that'd be a lot of Ooh, fun. A little, little dodgeball on uh, Zanzibar? Right, right. Dodgeball that'd short. be sick. They, they got to do that. Down. So, Down. so yeah. Um, now, you're not actually making it to DreamHack Dallas, though. Any any reason why you can't make it? Yeah, Grandpa is turning uh, 91 and I'm home. So I'm going to actually oh, okay. I'm going to be at home with the uh, with the family to celebrate his birthday. But that's, uh, that's the only reason. But uh, and then after that I'm right back on the road right, right away for uh, E3. But yeah, going to be just hanging at home with family. That's fair. Like yeah, like you said you have so many big events planned immediately after too, like E3 and then Outpost Discovery as well. So you've got a lot going on. Now, Dreamhack Dallas as far as the event goes, we've got some crazy roster changes last minute. We have a whole variety of teams attending. Of course, you still have Talks and Reciprocity which have stayed constant and they're still amazing teams. Mm -hmm. But as far as what we have now, and I know I think Maddie might have sent you uh some of the teams. Well, there's one team I'm specifically um, looking at. Yeah, what are you looking at? And that's the 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 Ace Neighbor Frosty Eco. Right. Which is the first Actually, the first team I've because I saw Mason's tweets uh, about looking for a coach, and it's the first uh, time I've considered if if I didn't have a, oh, a wow. conflict with family. It's the first time I've thought. Of, I actually, even though I Come did, I, I thought about for a moment. I was like, oh man, it would be a blast to uh, to, to coach that team uh, right. and and to and to you know I've coached neighbor on a bunch of different rosters, both final boss and triggers down. Um, so I'm really excited to see what those guys can do. Um, a lot of talent there and it might be it might be the kind of structure that uh that, that mason will really thrive in because when i think you have that kind of consistency and slaying dominance uh, i mean you know if neighbor has the right teammates in halo 3 you could do disgusting things and i think those are three pretty i don't know if you can ask for more consistent teammates than those three guys yeah um so that'll be pretty great for them uh, other than that, of course, I mean, I want, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the next chapter in the in the talks uh, reciprocity uh, saga. But other than that, I mean, I'd say there's two specific Halo Three players that 
uh, I've been keeping an eye on, and people who have watched a lot of my the matches that I've cast um, will probably be too familiar with how much I talk about them. But uh, okay. it's Demon D. I think is I mean, not only is he back in top form, but right. um, I think he's even he's he's even more mature than he was when he was competing, and he's now uh, playing at such a high level. Um, uh, and just game after game, you're watching him make amazing plays. And uh, even and even where you have a game like Halo Three, where the the skill there's a high skill ceiling, but the skill gap at the tip top is not huge. You still see him making uh, amazing plays and outplaying folks. Right. And the other one that that I'm that I'm not giving up on uh, because he just won't let me is Gilkey. Um, okay. The way that Gilkey, I mean, Gilkey was your, you know, he was a was a pro player in Halo Three. You saw him hovering around top six to top 12 to sometimes uh, a lesser of a placing. Um, but he's a guy who was always at the land network playing with some of the best players. And I'm telling you, whenever I watch Gilkey's play, he's, he's squeaking out kills that he shouldn't be squeaking out. He's making right. really strong plays. And it's not just like Gilkey's playing well. It's that I think once Gilkey finds the right set of teammates, uh, for as long as Halo 3 events run, I think you're going to see him continuing to play better and better. So I'd say those are right. my, kind of my two players to, to really keep a close eye on in terms of the way that they're playing the game. Okay, pretty good picks. And I know uh, Demon D kind of came out of nowhere in Halo 5, like towards the latter half. He just started to become one of the top players. And yeah, like you said, he was he was a good pro back in Halo 3. I'm not sure how long he was kind of, I don't know if he was inactive for a little while, and then he jumped into Halo 5, and recently he's just been been killing it. Um, I don't know what yeah. he was doing either. I have no idea. What right, doing. yeah, because he kind of just, he just came out of nowhere all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but this is interesting because I like if you think back to Halo Five towards the end of competition, you kind of knew what the best teams were. You could almost rank it like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, yeah. like down to ten practically. In this one, I I have no idea, man. Like I'm looking at Infinite and I've got Bubadu Bashati, Tux, and Falic Tusk and Falicated, which are amazing players, and they're yeah, all wild cards. Huge. I was gonna say that's a that's a the wild card to end all wild cards. I have no yeah. idea where they're gonna fall. They are. They have top points as well, though that's not the you know the ultimate scoreline that we're worried about here. But yeah, like these are amazing players. You've got Frosty, like the team that you brought up with Ace Neighbor, Frosty Eco, also massive wildcard team. Frosty has kind of been focusing on Call of Duty, but always a solid, always a top consistent player. So we're expecting big things. And then you had Trippy and Penguin, who are amazing, that split off into their own teams. And you said Gilkey, one of the top performers, Gilkey, Rain, Wanward, and Penguin. That's a big team right there. You've got, uh, and then you had Trippy, who we don't really know where he's gone, but if he's on GMS with Zerka, uh, like GMS was a top performing squad uh, all the way up until now, and they've, you know, they've made some slight changes, but you still have Gabriel, you still have Fantasy, and this is one of the best duos in Halo 3. So I'm seeing like, like six squads that could all contend in, you know, in like top three or at least. So yeah, it's pretty, even Denial, like Denial with Demon D, that's Shelly, Straight Sick, Ares, and Demon D. That's a really good squad. Like I, it's, it's pretty incredible to see. Yeah, it really is. And I think the point you made is great because I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, conclusions that could have been drawn going into Halo Five events. People, people had a really good idea of what to expect, right, uh, in Halo Five, and it didn't. It really didn't kind of break off of that expectation too often. Whereas I feel like all the Halo Three events that we've been seeing, um, the games have been so tight. Uh, you really haven't been able to pick which team's going to come out on top, and mm -hmm. even when you think you can, uh, there's been a lot of surprises. Um, and I think um, this this weekend coming up should really be no exception.
Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, guys, I know that we are getting towards the end of the interview. We have our Q&A coming up as well. If you guys are listening to the discussion, you have anything you want to weigh in or questions that you have for Bravo related to this or anything else, feel free to start asking those questions in the chat. I know Tony's already been collecting them, and we will ask them uh, as soon as we're done chatting here. But yeah, obviously, so DreamHack Dallas looks pretty unreal, like just the competition. Uh, we have no idea really what to expect. And this is a new this is a new occurrence. It's nice to see because like you said, yeah, Halo 5, you can kind of predict the outcome. Um, and a lot's been changing recently. So following that, of course, we'll have E3. The biggest thing I wanted to know was what do you think uh, e for 343 would have to showcase at E3 to have a successful press conference, let's say? Mm. People people want big things, you know, like yeah. what's the minimum, I guess, that they would need to have where people walk away, walk away and be like, OK, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this. Jeez, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> what do you got? Let's see. So I guess. Oh man, I mean, I guess what I, in short, what I want to see is, um, rather not see, but me as a Halo fan, I want to walk away really, in short, being surprised, right? I want right. to see, I want to see some stuff that is undeniably Halo that uh, really starts to blow my mind, right? Yeah. Um, so whatever form that takes, I want to walk away from whatever the E3 presence is um, and just thinking to myself, uh, I need to be part of that, right? I want to come away from E3, whether it's big, small. Uh, like I said, I've, I truly don't know what's what's coming this E3 or uh, before it or after it or anything like that. But right. I just want to come away, and I think the whole community does, with something that they can't wait to either play or see more of or learn more about. Um, yeah, I think... In, in, you know, I mean, you know, I, I still keep a pretty close eye on kind of the, the, the sentiment and the general vibe of the community. And I think people are ready to be surprised and come away saying, holy shit. Um, yeah. So I think uh, that's quite broad. Um, do I want to see gameplay? Of course, I want to see gameplay. Right, uh, right. I have no idea if we're going to see gameplay. I definitely want to see, um, yeah, I'd say even if it's, even if it's something that's teasy, um, uh, just kind of something that really gets me excited for the next chapter. Something that I think, you know, I think when you look at previous titles, if you look at um, kind of the things that I looked forward to or the hype that was around Halo 2, even small things like collateral damage on maps when you when they kind of announced that, like, maps were going to be able to decay and pillars could come down. Ooh, and that like, would be cool. Like, um, so I guess kind of using that not as a specific thing I want to see in the game, but more so that was something where I was like, oh man, Halo 2 has this feature and I'm excited about it. Or mm. if you look at any of the Halo 3 pre-release trailers, right? I mean, they're, the hype is crazy off the charts. Yeah. Um, so I think whatever whatever form it um, comes in is, yeah, essentially to, to be surprised yeah. would, be, would be, I think, would be great. And yeah, just kind of to that point, like uh, an interesting way to evolve the game rather than changing mechanics is kind of changing the environment around the player, right? Which is kind of what you're alluding to. And they, I wonder if they could do creative things in that space and if that could kind of revolutionize the game. But the biggest thing was like keeping it authentically Halo, like you said, is like seeing and walking away from experience and thinking that was Halo. So it's like the music, the art style. We've already seen through music and art style that they're going for that that kind of classic Halo style. So it just it looks like Halo right off the bat. You're not you know not 
not confused as to what it is. And I guess, yeah, walking away excited for more. I I feel like it's still in its very early stages, so I'm not expecting gameplay. It would be amazing, but yeah, whatever they give, it just you get that feeling of Halo. Halo is back. Just something to be really excited about. And I do believe, I'm not sure if this is confirmed, but Halo Reach should be playable in some way. It seems like Microsoft Store's have uh, a beta version of Halo Reach or something that they're planning on running on the day of E3, something like that. I, 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 they, I didn't, know. I didn't, I didn't catch it. No, I was talking talking to some some Microsoft uh, store individuals, and apparently they're they're planning some events around Halo for the uh, the E3. So I don't know. I, I hope yeah, we no, have something know, Reach related uh by the, that we can at least play uh, for the event. But anyway, a lot of exciting things to look forward to there. Hopefully, people. Uh, you know, are happy with the results. Um, and then, of course, you have Outpost Discovery before we jump into the Q&A. This sounds like an amazing initiative. You're hosting all five stops in mm-hmm. Outpost Discovery. Tell me a bit about this uh, and how exactly it works. I know that you have a couple amazing guests joining you as well. Yeah, so uh, as you see on screen, we're lucky to have, I mean, Steve and Jen uh, on every stop on the tour, which is awesome, um, which got me even more excited about it. I was already signed on to the project uh, in terms of paperwork when this was announced, but um like I said, got me even more excited. Um, I've been lucky to, to to spend some time with Steve and Jen, and they are just great uh, people, super friendly, super down to earth, really cool. Um, but yeah, I uh, when I first I first heard about Outpost Discovery back when it was codenamed, um, when I was still at three four three. This, as you can imagine, an event of this size has been um, they've been working on it for a long time. Right. So when I, by the time that I had left three four three, it was taking shape, but I wasn't I wasn't too involved with it. Um, and I was lucky that I got the phone call, um, kind of late last year, early this year to, to ask me if I wanted to be a part of it. And it's a kind of an overwhelming, uh, without a doubt. Yes. Um, you know, as you can imagine five cities all summer, it kind of takes over my whole summer and I yeah. totally, um, totally happy to let it do so. Um, okay. yeah, we're in five, uh, five cities. We go from, let's see, we go from Orlando to Philadelphia, I believe to Chicago, to Houston, to Anaheim, and it's every other week in the summer, every other weekend in the summer, starting on uh, right around July 3rd, uh, okay. which will run you all the way to the very last days of August. I believe it will cut right into about September 1st. Um, but uh, yeah, there's so much to do. I mean, the best way to to explain it is if you, if you head to Halo Outpost Discovery, uh, if you just search for it or uh, HaloOutpostDiscovery.com. Um, Tons of stuff. I mean, the, the the list of things that I'm excited about. I've only seen kind of a few sneak peeks, a few floor a few floor plans, some behind the scenes stuff, okay. and, and they've started to post some behind the scenes stuff too, which is really cool. Which shows you the attention to detail that's going into some of the work. But um, when you think about Halo VR experiences, when you think about giant um, laser tag, um, obviously there's gonna there the hog will be there. But I've also heard that it's gonna be a brand new warthog, which is wild because the last one was. So impressive. Um, Are these drivable course, warthogs too? Like they drive? Actually... I don't. I don't think so. The no. only reason I don't think so is because even the warthog that we had when I was at three four three, the hog that was on display in LA these past few weeks um, uh-huh. at, at one of the shows, um, there's like one guy in the world who can drive that because of because of how the car was like commissioned and then how the car stored. To move the hog is like insanely expensive because there's like one guy, one storage company that can like legally drive it in certain wow. areas. But right. let me tell you, when that, um, when that that hog, we haven't, I haven't seen the new one, but when that hog rolls through, we had it one time at the, like the GameStop manager show in Anaheim. Okay. And when that thing starts up, just the way that she like purrs and 
oh god, it turned like everyone it's like stops a tank. dead in their tracks to watch yeah. it. Um, but the reason I don't think it's drivable is because, like I said, you have to have like some ridiculously weird specific, like specific, um, uh, certification or of some sort. Right, to, right. To, some to drive specialist there. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, essentially, when I heard about a traveling festival that was just all things Halo with with tons of stuff to do, I think it's also great. You know, the fact that it's um, there's stuff planned for kind of not just people around our age, but also kids as well is great because it's such a you know one of Halo's um, redeeming factors, and it, uh, something we're so lucky to have is how it's multi generational. So I think you know right. there's a lot of guys and girls that are going to want to be able to bring their their kids or their little their 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 younger brothers and sisters or things right. like that. Um, so yeah, I've kind of only gotten a few glimpses behind the, the curtain. Um, and I'm learning more and more as, as we get really close, but, uh, yeah, so excited to be a part of it and I can't wait to, to kick things off in Orlando. Right. And I'm sure we're going to see some updates from you as we get closer. Um, and I guess you haven't fully figured out what your role is going to entail. I guess you just kind of have the Oh no, I have a good, I I have a good idea. I just don't know if I'll get in trouble for talking about it. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll let you stay quiet on it because I know that uh, viewers have some questions in the chat here, and we'll finally get to uh, to some questions here. I've I've held you here at seven forty where I'm already, so I've I've got you here for such a long time. My bad. Um, but we've got a couple more questions before we close out. Uh, no, let's kick it up. You're good. Huh? You're good. good. Take right, your time. Right. I mean, I could talk all day, man. That's uh, it's it's interesting, like really interesting, listening to your Halo history and just how much you've accomplished so far. Especially because I think are you like twenty six, twenty seven? It's kind of you. No, I'm. I just turned twenty nine. So twenty nine. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm. I'm a basically. I'm twenty seven. I'm basically the same age, and I'm just looking at looking up to you. You know, trying to anyway, not to just gush, but uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into the Q and A. Hermes God ten. According to Bravo, who are the best pro players throughout Halo Five? Right, Halo Five. Um. Oh man. Uh. Let's see. Um. I think the first name that comes to mind is Shotzi. Um, just right. the way that Shotzi played the game. I mean, you're no stranger to it. You know the video, the content that you've oh, yeah. done, the content yeah. that you've done about talks about uh, it plenty. Yeah. Shotzi's movement, uh, the way that he played the game. I'd say the whole, that whole side. Uh, you know, if you looked at the at the splice guys, um, I think also the the obviously the you can't say that without talking about Tox. Um, I think the the very end of Halo Five, the way that Tox started to play, the speed and the, the aggression, the the whole paradigm shift of how they played the game, yep. was pretty amazing to see them do that as well. Um, if I think about kind of honorable mentions that that aren't on those teams, um, one that definitely comes to mind is um, Pistola. I think it just always it's exactly you can't you can't put the guy you can't I mean very quick aside about Pistola. I swear it was one of the first times he had ever played Halo One at the LAN network, uh, just because he kind of you know is a, a few years younger and started really in Halo Two and Xbox Live, and then his first Halo Two tournament just started dominating. I remember losing before Ola had gone to an event. I remember playing free for alls against Pistola. Never in free for all, never had a mic in, and this is this is when free for alls weren't yet unlimited scores; they were capped at fifty, and. Yeah. Oh man, I remember being in lobbies where Ola would win with 50 kills and people maybe had 31. Oh my god. Maybe dude. had 32. So I mean, the it, but the what's amazing is when we one of the first times we played Halo 1, we're playing like a 2v2 prisoner or something. And someone tells me it's the first time it's Ola's playing Halo 1, so I go over and I look and he's I'm watching him like people are jumping off prisoner to do whatever. They're trying to get off a bad spawn and he's just like hitting these threes over and over and over again and I'm just like you can't put a Halo game in front of Ola um, yeah. without, uh, yeah. So I'd say, uh, aside from him, if I had to think about some other players that I was really impressed with, um, Penguin, 
Uh, loved yeah. always watching uh, Penguin play Halo Five the way that he played. Um, certainly one of my one of my favorite players to watch. Um, so I think those are kind of the the ones that stick out. I think if I years from now that people will still remember the way that they played the game. Right, Penguin still has so much left in his career to to stand out as well. So mm-hmm. for sure, as far as Ola, it was so satisfying watching Reciprocity win, and then having the interview with Ola at the very end when he was kind of wondering whether or not his time was up as far as competition. He's been doing it for so long, and then winning that event and saying, "No, it's not done yet." Like yeah. there's something about that was just so satisfying. He did such a good job there, but it's so true. Like he's he's so talented. He's been doing it for such a long time to finally get that win back, and and you know to just remind yourself uh, that you're capable, that you can accomplish it. Is uh, it's pretty amazing to see and especially for his fans uh yeah and then talks and splice talks was just dominant it felt like splice was the one team that really pushed talks to kind of change and adapt and then it felt like they really did adapt by the end and they had, they had figured it out mm-hmm. um agon wastes uh what is bravo's hope for halo infinite multiplayer wise multiplayer wise so Holy we're gonna get a couple of crap. these how much Everything. time do we have how much time do we have Start um with, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, so. I mean it's no, you know, it's no secret. Um, you know, my my favorite Halo games were Halo One, Two, and Three. Yeah. Um, so I think it in the areas that that game that the things that made a lot of the things that made those games great. I mean, we could spend a, a lot of time talking about the accidental things that made sure. those some of those, the, especially the first two, great. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about the simplicity of those games. Um, and that's not to say that I'm uh, against uh, other specific features, but I think that that style of Halo is kind of um, my favorite kind of Halo. Uh, so I think as long as the game... But the, the bigger thing, right, is that there's a series of checks and balances that makes the multiplayer work. Right. Um, you know, we could talk about sprint, no sprint all day, um, things like that. I mean, you know, based off of my preferences in Halo, I think you, you know that I, I prefer no sprint Halo, but... I'd say that the, the a lot of the conversations around just feature A, feature B, probably not that valuable in the grand scheme. And I think if you fire up a game and you feel like the 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 the, the checks and balances that exist in multiplayer and the exact you know um, perfect balance of an MP title, if it has you wanting to play game after game after game after game, and it's all you want to do and it's all you want to think about, um, and you want to get on every night to to grind and you know, everyone else feels that way too is really all that matters to me. So there's a lot of ways for that to happen. And um, yeah, I have, like I said, I have no idea what the, what the gameplay will be like. Um, yeah. But I'd say multiplayer wise, yeah, I kind of want a game that just makes me say one more game. And then before I know it, it's four in the morning and I'm yeah. just grinding with my friends. So however, the 343 multiplayer team can pull that off. And I'm sure that's what they're trying to do. Right. Um, however they can pull that off, uh, I'm on board. I think there's, there's, you know, there's, uh, yeah, uh, I want really, I'd say really in terms of map design, I want, uh, you know, maps that really have just a lot that really make you think, I think maps that have tons of kind of, um, replayability. If I look, you know, I could play how many times have I played a lockout ball? How many times have I played a right. flag? Um, and somehow it stays interesting. Right. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not a map design, uh, a guy or a designer at all. Um, but there's mm-hmm. something about a lot, and and that's not to say, for example, I, I think Coliseum is kind of going to be Halo 5's map that is remembered um, as the as the cover of Halo 5 multiplayer, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying that that, that that map design is exclusive to to earlier titles. I think there have been great maps, but um, yeah, uh, kind of. And then I'd say in terms of yeah, in terms of uh, weapons, uh, abilities, um, 
things like uh, grenades, items, projectiles, explosives, stationary things, deployables, all that. Sure. Like, as long as it all results in a multiplayer that is, yeah, that has the right checks and balances, and that that um, you know, still has a lot of room for surprises. If you think about things like we saw in the Halo Three BTB that were, um, uh, that were just like you know crazy things with this is happening with a banshee, and then warthogs are flying this right. way. I think leave room for the crazy physics shit for sure. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be all kind of super cut and dry, this, this, that about competitive gameplay. Um, yeah, that's, that's. I mean, that, I just said a lot of things in, in a specific <laughs> order, but that's kind of top of my head. If I'm playing Halo Infinite, however long from now, I want to be glued to my seat because I, because I can't put the game down. Yeah, 343 literally has the hardest question to answer is, is how they could do that. How they could yeah. make it relentlessly fun all the time you get on, you don't want to stop playing. Next thing you know, it's 4 a.m. and you, yeah, you spent yeah. your whole day on it. And then, and it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. so hard to do in this market too because right. there's so many games. There's, uh, you know, I mean, if you look at uh, something like Halo 3 and you look at Modern Warfare uh, and, 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 you know, the those two games as they went up against each other, right? Nobody could hit a button on their Xbox Guide button and jump over Netflix um there was right. there, there was it's it's a tough market to do what i just described in but um i think yeah that that's kind of what i'm hoping for yeah yeah and i i think there is some value in, in kind of the simplicity of the classic titles at at first glance like kind of just getting into it it's very simple but then over time there is a lot of depth for the hardcore guys so trying to nail that balance somehow where it's very inviting very uh approachable for new players but still has the depth still has the nuance yeah. Um, and yeah, with the maps too, like uh, they're built out in a way that really encourages some sort of intricate strategy, or maybe it's something to do with the symmetricality of the maps. That because I mean, Coliseum was a, a symmetrical map. Truth, like some of the best maps were symmetrical, even though Plaza I felt like worked and was a bit of a weird one. But yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah the, I, I like I like ASIM maps, especially like ASIM maps if the objective makes sense. I'm gonna right. here's a, here's a crazy thought. I, I mean, we've never seen a competitive like round based uh, tournament game types. Am I correct in saying that? Right, we haven't competitive. Seen, sorry, have we ever seen like, for example, one flag in a tournament? Am I? I'm just I not that I know of. Fact check me. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see. I'm just totally throwing out ideas here, but like, yeah, game types like one flag lockout, one flag ivory tower. They're definitely zany and stuff, but I think there's stuff like that um, would be yeah. pretty cool too. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of goodness that that, that could fit into the kind of the into into uh, multiplayer in that sense. But yeah, you use two great words though. I think depth and nuance, the right mix of uh, depth and nuance and speed and that's, that's yeah. kind of what i'm looking for yeah yeah i i, I keep thinking about how because i know people are saying you know sprint versus no sprint and a lot of people are in that kind of no sprint camp or whatever it is i i feel like if you look at the abilities in halo 5 sprint is the one that i feel like you could remove and the game would still be like really enjoyable and move fast I, i'm just wondering if there's a way that they could like revolutionize no sprint so not having it there but still giving you the feeling that you're moving quickly around the map and you're strafing quickly and all of that matters and around the abilities and it kind of takes out a pro button that you have to press every time when you're moving and it you know it brings back that simplicity i don't know but then making this yeah, look like they're super powered you know yeah i think yeah and i think what you're getting at there which i agree with is like you know how can we what are the creative ways to to solve these problems while still adding depth and, and nuance yeah to gameplay? yeah um, yeah I'm, I'm totally with you there it's interesting for sure it's going to be very tough scale to balance i think the biggest thing after they release it is just they're listening and updating on the fly and keeping up with us and you know there's how how quickly they can uh you know continue that service uh if there are issues that arise anyway uh lt riles question for bravo what do you think makes the halo community so special oh man uh yeah this uh 
There's so much. I think the, the first thought that I have is um, that a lot of us have the same kind of roots to the game, which is which kind of is what I alluded to earlier, right at the beginning of the show, which is we have these fond memories of either playing right these land parties with these these big original Xboxes, and you've got tube TVs, and there's Ethernet cables running around the house. Uh, a lot of us have that kind of common ground. And then maybe if you started to play later, right, your first memory is simply jumping on Xbox Live and playing with people from across the world for the first time, and you're playing sure. major clan matches, and it's absolute chaos and the kind of the first experience that you may have had like that. Um, uh, and I think all of that combined also gives you such a long, rich history. We talked about the multi-generational stuff earlier as well, but it gives you this yeah. really rich history of years and years together. And a lot of the people, I mean, there's a lot of players in both professional scene, uh, top amateur players that have been coming to these events with each other for so many years. Um, you know, right. um, if you look at kind of the, the first tournaments right around uh, 2003, 2004 is when they started to gain a little more steam than the, than the, than the earlier events in 2002. But um, yeah, I think all three of those things are, 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 are pretty special. And I think also there's so many examples um, of different aspects of the game that resonate with people. So you have, uh, you know, there's one of the questions actually I was asked when I interviewed at 343, which I thought was a really great question, was okay. if you had to um, divide the Halo community to a few uh, to a few slices, how would you do it? And what's incredible is there is there's no less than several dozen ways to to answer that question. Right. Um, and there's actually no right way, you know. Um, so you could think of it as uh, if you think about kind of there's so many rich parts of the community that have also done amazing things. So all of Rooster Teeth um, and everything they've created with Red versus Blue. And then you also have right all these different multiplayer segments with uh, Griff Ballers. Then you also have Campaign Speedrunners. They have these kind of competitive players. And it's just like, uh, yeah, then just Lore Fanatics. I think it's so, there's so many uh, ways to fall in love with Halo. And then also I think that yeah. as a result, you find different people in the community that are kind of into that, into that same thing. As you, so really, there's there's just no shortage of of things to really love and enjoy about the the game and the community. I think that has brought people together, and hopefully, will continue to bring people together for for many many years to come. Yeah, yeah. Halo's always been known been known for being incredibly diverse, like such a massive package package. And I think Halo Three was the perfect example of that, and the timing that it came out, just everything it came with. Whether you're Forge and or you're playing, you know, social multiplayer, competitive multiplayer, there's just so much to it, and so many ways to enjoy it. And especially just when it happened is like land parties and things like that. They just don't happen to the degree that they did back in the day. That was the only way to play your games is to go to your buddy's house and sit there with them on split screen. I think the relationships that you formed through that yes. through those events. It's just you can't have that today. You can't. Fortnite is not the same, you know, type of community when it's all online. And maybe you go to a Microsoft Store or something, but it's not the same as staying up till four a.m. drinking those little chubby drinks and uh, and you know eating Doritos and shit. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, um, Luongo Pro ask Brav what the highlight of his Halo career was after competing included. After competing included. Okay. Um. So the highlight period or the whole career. Sure. Um, man. Uh, Tough one. I would have to say... Uh, I'll give you... I'll give you two, if that's okay. Okay. Um, the uh, well, I'll give you one and then an honorable mention. I think the first one would be winning the first event with the triggers down. Because um, I had been going to events for so many years at that point. Right. And, you know, I mean, I grew up watching... I uh, grew up watching SDK3D. Um, 
uh, kind of on their whole rise. Uh, I had seen so many finals. So to be with a group of guys that really meant a lot to me and then winning uh, kind of the final seconds of that game in Halo 3 and just ripping, I remember ripping my headset off. We just kind of erupt. We'd put so much into to kind of trying to, 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 to win those events and knowing that I had just won one of the events. That I, I mean, I never would have thought that years prior that I, you know, I would have had a chance to be part of a, of a, an MLG tournament winning roster. So that right. one, I remember whenever, whenever I'd watch that clip, I'd get chills. Of course, now that clip only available in like 240 P right. Everything. Um, is just, yeah. so it's about that big on a computer, yeah. but um, yeah, the, uh, so that one sticks out as a huge one. And I'd say also right before we did the Halo 4 global championship, just because there was so much that came together to get a production like that going. I remember like sitting down, uh the day of the finals i think and watching like the final rehearsals and uh yeah um like it hit me pretty hard that we had we had created something pretty cool in terms of the the that stage and that production i was i was really happy about that so those are kind of probably uh yeah the the, the big two ones that, that that stick out um yeah awesome awesome definitely big experiences uh Yu-Gi-Oh tools do you think the same path that you took uh, to become a content creator caster is available now when it was back a decade ago? If you had the same goals and started today, is there a different way to approach becoming a, co a coach or content creator or caster? Good question. Oh, yeah, let's see. Um, I do think, uh, you know, it was a lot less crowded back then. So there certainly uh, was, I think, for people who... Uh, there's a, there's a lot of people who want to put in, you know, uh, the, the, the time and the hours. And it was simply a lot less crowded back then. And then I probably owe, you know, a little bit of my success to, to the fact that it was less crowded. Um, I absolutely still think the path is there without a doubt. I mean, you can look at, um, it might, you might even argue that it's more so there from the specific path of content creator slash, um, you know, streamer, YouTuber, uh, to caster. And even interchangeably, vice versa. Because if you look at kind of what's happening in some of the titles that are very well funded right now, um, just to use Fortnite as an example, right? You have events right. where um, you have events where it's uh, Golden Boy and Courage and Lupo all to all together, kind of casting at these the, the Fortnite cups. And I mean, those you know, it's three content creators that kind of made the transition to caster, or with, even with the example of Courage, it's kind of back. He was, it's kind of more like cyclical with Courage. Um, yeah. Where he was uh, working for MLG, then casting, then content, then more casting, then more content. So I think that loop is even more further enforced because you have, because it was established ten years ago, you set you have major studios that are going to be looking at their top creators, and not necessarily even top creators. If you look at a, a, a good example of casting that was done, I think is Overwatch League because you do have your uh, there are their superstar casters there. There's the Puckets. Right, um, and there's the the Mr. X's that have big followings, but there's a lot of guys from other titles and the the Monte Cristos, but there's other guys from other titles who have lesser followings, but that are really talented analysts and things of that nature that also come from the content creation background. Um, right. So I think that that path will continue to be available, um, and I think you'd obviously, as a content creator, whether you're streaming or you're or, or you're um, creating content on YouTube. Um, I think you want to tailor your content that way. I think my content generally, especially during the end of Reach, um, and then some stuff for Halo Three was was pretty, you know, it was pretty tactical in nature. It was things like 
um, how to break setups or highlighting specific examples, to be honest, you know, not too dissimilar from the, a lot of the clips that you do and, and, and right. a lot of the content um, that you create. But um, yeah. I'd say as a, as a content creator, if you are, if you do have your eye on casting, uh, I'd say making your content, uh, structuring your content in a way that a game studio um, can, uh, you know, uh, quickly be like, wow, this guy's going to be great on a desk or this girl's going to be great on a desk because right. they are, they're already creating this analytical content and I want them to bring that to my show. Right. Um, and, and now you also have, if you look at examples like um, Respawn's a good example, right? They've got dedicated influencer, granted it's an EA studio, but they've got, um, or EA, EA project rather, um, you've got these, uh, you know, dedicated influencer managers that are now at the studio. They're looking for these people. So it's no longer this like black box of where these multiplayer people are kind of working with a tournament operator like MLG. And then MLG is uh, MLG being a TO example is the exclusive uh, partner looking for talent. Instead, now these studios are going out themselves and they're picking out talent lineups. I got off the phone right. with someone. I got off the phone with someone else who is a head of broadcast at another studio, and and now you're you have casters who are talking directly to someone who has a title head of broadcast for the game studio itself. So mm -hmm. I guess uh, what I'm getting at is there are now more eyes on finding those creators than right. there even were. So it's a more crowded space, but at the same time. Um, there are more. There are more uh, game developers very intentionally looking for 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 the right folks. So I think the the path is absolutely um, available. Yeah, but it does all kind of start at content creation, though. I think which is the big thing there is like yes, that's great. Other people actively seeking it out. There's bigger opportunities. It's a busier space, but I guess it all comes from creating some form of content and and putting yourself out there as much as you can, as best that you can, and. Uh, you know, getting getting those opportunities, I guess, as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, good question, though. Thank you, Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, Toucan SSBM, what, what, what's your most controversial uh, contrarian Halo opinion? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, gosh. I'm sure I have some. Let me, let me think of what it could be. Um, controversial what, what Halo do, opinion. What do I think that most people don't think about Halo? Darn it! There was a there was a tweet along these lines, like one of those giant quote chains, uh, that like was like it was unpopular opinion about Halo. And I want to say I had an idea. Um, what would be something that? Let's see. I saw someone someone posted that Halo One is Halo One multiplayer. Like uh, it was like a quote, you know, quoting on Twitter with like unpopular Halo opinion thread, and someone was like Halo multiplayer, Halo One multiplayer is not good. I was like, "What the hell's going on here?" Well, that's not much of an that's opinion. A, that's how you get. That's how you get jumped. Um, yeah, man. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think of about what. I mean, my my generally my stuff's pretty in line. I'd say with with your with your average um, right. competitive Halo player that that was brought up during um, my age. Let me think of some either some weapon or some map stuff that I'm sure people will disagree with. Uh, oh. Um, I guess here's one. Um, Halo Three multiplayer is not that great. How's that? Just in general. <laughs> I mean, compared, you... just I, I don't think it's like wildly uh, nuanced. Okay. No, I, I said not... that. In, I said that in a way to to, to generate reactions. Yeah, um, yeah. that's yeah, yeah uh, that would be controversial. No, but to, to get into a more specific, to get into a, a more um, accurate version of what I meant there is that Halo Three multiplayer is um, the 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 moment to moment um gameplay design that would be done by like a multiplayer team um is not 
is not that nuanced and uh, does not actually allow for that many interesting plays. I think what makes what makes Halo 3 great is everything combined. So things like map design, how the weapons work, the importance right. of team shooting, uh, even objective placements, um, the flow of the game, the, like the, the actual flow states that you can get into. Um, I think all of that together makes an incredible multiplayer, multiplayer experience. But if I'm like watching, say, uh, yeah, just moment to moment Halo 3 gameplay out of context, uh-huh. not, not blowing my mind, right? In the same way where, for example, in Halo 1, someone can pop into a room and deliver the most perfect of three shots that you've ever seen and get away with it. In Halo 2, someone can do some ridiculous stuff with a series of button glitches, right? Um, granted, and that's getting into kind of the territory that I talked about um, with some, you know, unintentional things that ended up in Halo multiplayer. But that's uh, what I thought you were alluding to as far as depth, because that's where the, the Halo 2 and Halo 1 depth is and like the, yeah, the weapon exactly. launching and stuff in Halo 1 and, and all the crazy spawn manipulation stuff that you could do. So, I mean, and that's that is interesting. So I can kind of uh, agree with you there that Halo 3 doesn't have as much of that. Right. Like, for example, I, 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 I'll play, I could play endless amounts of Halo 3 if I'm sitting down for, like, random eights. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't play random amounts of Halo 3 if I'm playing, like, solo matchmaking searching. Okay. But Halo 1 and Halo 2, I could probably fire up and just solo search all day, if, if you know what I mean. The moment-to-moment gameplay interaction is not dependent on a whole lot of other factors to be yeah. crazy exciting. Yeah. But I want I had to give you something spicy, so there you go. Yeah, I know. I know. He gave you the question. You're like, shoot! I just said Halo Three multiplayer is bad. Now I got to spend all this time trying to talk my way around it. Uh, no, I didn't need to. <laughs> I didn't need to talk my way around it. I just needed to explain it. I think yeah, that, yeah, that's fair. And, that's fair. And hopefully, some people disagree with me. That was the point of the question. So you're right, right. And yeah, controversial. Yeah, it's got to be controversial. Uh, so last question from Onset. Shout out to Onset in the chat. Uh, dark oh, fruits uh, or chicken legend? Dark fruits or chicken legend? Is it is it only an or? It just says or. Dark Fruits or Chicken Legend? Only you uh, would know this. I'm not the gonna. The fact that you said um, it just says or makes the whole thing even better. And Mark knows exactly what I mean. Um, yeah, this is a it's a trick question because it's actually the answer is both. It's both Dark Fruits and Chicken Legend. Okay. Um, and that's that's it. I it's it's pretty yeah. He was trying to trick me, and it's. Is not... there too much of a backstory to uh, to get into to explain what that means? Chicken uh... Legend sounds like a Asian like food restaurant or something um (laughs) no it's not too much of a backstory but it's also um nowhere near interesting enough to to share on the program i'd say if you ever (laughs) find yourself in the uk make your priorities getting yourself uh dark fruits and a chicken legend and and really together ideally but in any order and a lot of both and you'll pretty much guaranteed a good time all right, all right. Thank you for the recommendation. I'll I'll see what I can do. Uh, looks like Tashi's jumped in here last second, uh, and I believe this is our last question as well. So thank you, Tashi, for joining us. Favorite Tashiism? Oh, oh, oh Tashiism. Okay, so Tashiisms are like a really important person uh, uh, aspect of 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 I'd say just being really good friends with Tashi. So Tashi right. will accidentally omit words from both uh, emails and regular speech. And in doing so, sounds like really Eastern European. Okay. Um, oh, man. Let's see. Oh, it's tough to something. recreate. You got to do it with the voice and everything. It's going to be. Uh, <laughs> let's see. 
No, I won't. I won't butcher an accent. Um, favorite Tashiisms. Oh man, there's so many good ones. Oh gosh. Uh, I guess I mean the the one that comes to mind. I the reason the top of my head is we just laughed about an Xbox Live like two nights ago. But one time everyone was like, um, "Hey Tosh, we're we're about to go. You know, we'd get some get a go to this restaurant. Did you want to come with us or whatever?" And um, he uh, so we're all about to like either jump in the car or walk. No one really knows what they're gonna do. And Tosh, he like accidentally busts into a full Russian accent. He's just like, "It's a nice day. I walk." <laughs> and like we all kind of like looked at him like wait why did you say it like that he's like what and we we're like you realize you just said it like a full like full-blown russian accent he's like oh right. sorry I, I don't know what happened and it, it, you'll just get these moments of uh moments of greatness from tosh which are uh pretty good but i'm excited i, I don't even know when i'm gonna see this guy again oh actually no i do uh he should, be, he should be at he should be at e3 so hopefully uh, hopefully i'll see him there yeah a lot of exciting things to come and uh and yeah i guess uh man a few words it's, it sounds better that way right you get you know you don't need all all those uh those fancy words in your sentence to, to get Tashi, the point across actually tashi definitely doesn't need them <laughs> especially when he's a big uh a big hawking dude too like you you wouldn't you know you wouldn't take a second glance at you'd be like okay uh, all right people, that's, people that's it that is <laughs> people don't tend to question him. no no you wouldn't question him. <laughs> anyway yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that does cover our Q&A and uh, the interview overall. Bravo. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Uh, so much great history to delve into. It looks like we actually got to cover quite a lot of it, but I know there's a lot more. Um, ah, yeah. Probably covered probably covered the, the interesting bits and probably some of the uninteresting bits. So apologies for the <laughs> for the, the fact that I undoubtedly rambled and, and told probably two more stories than needed to be told. It was a fun time overall. It was great having you on, man. Uh, and hopefully I get to see you again in the near future. I know you're so busy. you got Outpost Discovery. I'm in Toronto, so it's not really near me. And unfortunately, I'm not going to E3 as well. But we don't know what, what Halo is going to bring as far as events. And hopefully there's some big new events to be announced and some opportunities to uh, to maybe produce some content together. It'd be awesome to, to join you one day, casting. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah man. We, I was going to say, I was just thinking, we got to yeah, we got to get you uh, in the booth more. I would love to. It would be awesome. I, I Whether would it's on a desk or on a booth or whatever. Yeah. Let's do it. I, I feel like I feel like desk is like just the desk just calls calls me. I don't know what it is. I just I want to be so on that desk. I'd so love too. to be there, but I'd love to cast too. I just I just want to hang out with you guys. Let's do <laughs> just, it. All right. Anyway, thank you so much, Bravo. Uh, and I'll see you around, dude. Thank you, man. Peace. All right, guys, that closes our interview for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, if you stuck around to the very end and you typed exclamation mark grassroots in the chat that made you eligible, I can't even say that word, eligible to win a BR skin and grassroots nameplate. Tony, who's our winner? Who do we got? It's uh, I'm Bear Toe wins the BR skin and nameplate. Congratulations. Enjoy your goodies. And of course, before we close the show, we also have our merch. You can feel free to check that out as well. Tony, throw up the merch. There you go. Everything you buy here not only supports UGC, it also supports me as well. And I would highly appreciate that, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on HCS Weekly. Stay tuned. We got plenty more action or HCS Weekly news planned for next week.